This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HRH Combat Arms. They can turn your vision into reality. They specialize in gunsmithing and Cerakoting. Your Cerakote specialist is Air Force veteran and retired police sergeant Paul Ware, a.k.a. the Sarge. He can Cerakote your firearms, auto parts, tools, even your sports equipment. And then your master gunsmith is Marine veteran Steve Miller. This veteran-owned business is located at 5025 Saunders Suite, 103, Fort Worth, Texas, 76119. You can call them at 682-304-0363, and you can find them online at www.hrhcombatarms.com. That's www.hrhcombatarms.com. What's up, Matt? Another day in paradise, man. I know. Welcome to another episode of Two Cops, One Donut. I'm your host, Eric Levine. Uh, Zentino is not here. He's probably at work right now. Who's shocked by that? Not me. Yeah. He's, you know, I, I've learned that just because of the nature of our job that having a dedicated co-host just is, it's hard. Actually, he may still be on vacation. I got to. I really need to get must, a hold of it. Must be nice. I didn't want to interrupt it, you know. I had texted him once, and he shows a picture of him, like, in the ocean with a beer bottle. and Oh, well. You know. Okay, fine. I give it to you. So I was like, all right. I won't bug you. So, <laughs> But uh, now I'm glad to finally get you on the show. We talked about this a while back. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's you know, it's a timing thing. Yeah. Summertime being here. Yeah. We both have kids out of school. Right. Vacations are starting. Yeah. Work is just crazy through the roof, busy right yeah. now. So it's, it's always hard to break away. So let's. Let's kick this off the right way. Um, he had not had some of the Novacek 84 yet, so I gave him my last glass of Novacek 84. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty jealous that you got Amy and Jay in your studio together. What? Dude, it was so weird. Those, those are my buddies. Those are my pals. So you knew them before? Yeah, I know, I oh know them, God. yeah. So I, I didn't know them. Oh, I, really? I ran into them going to buy whiskey. I just went to the store to buy, like, I wanted to try something different. I like, that's what I like doing. I like. I got a bottle. I got my favorites, but I want to get something random every once in a while to yeah. I mean, expand. It, I I think as long as I've known you, you've been like that. You're like, yeah. what, What's the next? What's the what's the out of the you know off the shelf beer we're gonna try? Or yeah. What's the whiskey we're gonna try? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all alcoholism. So uh, <laughs> goes well with the job. Yeah. Exactly. So I I show up to this whiskey store. It's not a whiskey store, but show up to the store and there's a a board that says you know. Jay Novacek from 3 p.m. to like 7 p.m. So he's signing bottles and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't realize he was signing his bottles. So Did you not know he had a whiskey at that time? No. Oh, okay. No, it, I guess he'd only had it out since March. It was, so it was a fairly new release. And then, um, so I was like, well, shit, I might as well try his. I, I don't, you know. I'm, Why the heck not? I wasn't there to get an autograph or anything like that. I, that's not me. I just, you know, he's a good dude. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I'm super just, nice guy. I'm just not an autograph guy, and I'm sure in his career, he's probably tired of that. Uh, I would guess so. You know, I, I think he would get tired. In of that. the I'm short sure. amount of time I've known him and Amy, yeah. I have seen him do more autographs than I would ever want to do. Right. And I, I, I'm sure it's flattering because when you grew up playing sports, you know, especially professionals that go up, they, they were probably the same way when they're that age. I'm sure. You know, so for them, they get it. It's just part of the it's something you accept when you take on that role i guess well yeah i mean it's like anything you know you kind of got to take it with yeah you know you got to either accept it or get off the train yeah so i'm at the store and i'm about to like i'm like there's a line so i'm trying to figure out where do i buy this 
and where's the autograph line? I'm trying to avoid the autograph line. I'm just like, eh. well, Amy sees me and she sees that I'm like trying to either she, I think she thinks I was just trying to, to get out of there. And yeah. She's, she's like, no, I'm not letting this dude get out of here with a bottle of whiskey. And yeah. It's not signed. Not yeah. Happening. Yeah. So she, we, we start to talking and she, she's a talker. She's awesome. She just is a, she's a person. She's like me. She talks to people like she's known them forever. Absolutely. And some people are, love that, and other people hate it. So you're either going to love or hate it with her. I remember the first time I met them, it was at a Cowboys game. And we walked over into, I don't know whose suite it was. I was with Clint Burgess, who was mm-hmm. you know, constable at a Precinct 7 for so long. And we walk in there, and he's, oh, hey, this is, you know, this is Clint, you know, Amy and Jay, and this is Matt. And he kind of gave the background of why I was there. And Okay. I mean, it was like we had known each other ever since yeah. there. And then I continued to run into him at events, you know, wine festivals, things like that. Yep. And it was like we've been friends forever. Yeah. So we get to talking. We start talking about the podcast, and they had their whole situation with their son. Yep. And I was like, look, I, I don't live far from here, and I'm sure any extra voice is a voice. You're more than willing to come on. I'm, I'm learning still, guys. And, I mean, you listen to the podcast. They, they well, that was sh- one of your first podcasts, wasn't they it? They had to share a mic. It was about halfway. Okay. It was like the halfway And point. it was early on. Yeah, and I was still trying to figure out. I, I didn't know if they could share a mic. I was hoping that would work. And it, okay. it didn't work very well. So I didn't, uh, For the novice, I didn't think it was yeah, bad. If I'm the audio honest. just was sub subpar. And audio is what really, from what I've learned about podcasting, is, is pretty much the most valuable part of it. I know I do video, but more people care about the audio quality than they do the video quality. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I'm not a podcast guy. I never yeah. have been, but my wife goes, no, I mean, that's yeah. all she listens to anymore, podcasts. Yeah, yeah I love, I, it's, for me, it's going in between the job, you know, and or going on road trips or working in the yard, or whatever it is, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm trying to, it's either Joe Rogan or... See, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I do like listening yeah. to Joe Rogan. I, I listen to Rogan or I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Most of the stuff I listen to is because of Rogan. Like, I'll get on... I, I'm listening to his show and then he's talking to this other guy that has a podcast. And I was like, well, let me try that guy. Let me try that girl. And I'm like, I end up liking him. So. Yeah, and that guy has had some way cool people on his oh, podcast. Man. Yeah, yeah. I think the one that caught me that he did that was so exciting for me to watch was... Um, it was Elon Musk. The Elon Musk. Yeah, I mean, that was creepy to even listen to. Was the Elon yeah, Musk? Yeah, there's like an awkwardness to the way he talks. It like, was almost like he's a robot. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that he, you know, answers this guy net. <laughs> I think he could be. So, yeah, I. So that's that was pretty cool to get that going. And what are the odds that I had just? I was not even thirty days into this, and I've already got. The mayor and yeah. Jay Novich, a Hall of Famer, Jay Novich. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Which I didn't even know if he was a Hall of Famer at yeah, the time. No, he is, he is. And I'm sure he's just sitting there. He's like, yeah, this guy does not know sports. <laughs> I'm a casual fan. I love, you know, when I was a kid and I had the time, like the people I grew up with, I knew their stats, mostly in hockey or, or football, uh, baseball. But Oh, that's it, because you're a Yankee. Yeah, yeah. So, wait a second. You're not a Texan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on just a second. Born in Texas? Didn't live here my whole life. Okay. But I was born in Texas. I, I was born out in Abilene. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Got back here as soon as I could. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's let's get into this. People need to know who you are and where you came from. So let's let's start with that. Okay. So I am a native Texan, born out in Abilene. You know, if you know anything about Texas, Abilene was for the longest time kind of the armpit of Texas, the Dust Bowl. Yeah, out in the Dust Bowl. I uh, lived uh, out there, lived in Lubbock for a little bit, lived in San Angelo for a little bit, and then moved to Fort Worth. 
And then in the beginning of my sixth grade year, the family said, yeah, we're going to, your dad's taking a transfer for a job up into Washington state. Okay. Said, okay. I mean, I don't really have a choice. I'm starting sixth grade at that point. So we moved to Washington state. I do junior high, high school. And then in 1998, when I graduate from high school, yes, I'm old. Um, I was a sophomore, so you're not that okay, old. Okay, so not too bad. Yeah. So in 98, uh, I had everything planned out. I was going to go to the local community college, get my associates, then go on to get my four-year degree, and then do who knows what at that point. I wasn't really sure. So about three weeks after I graduate, my family comes to me and says, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, we're, getting tra- we're going back to Fort Worth. Oh. Here's your options. <laughs> you can either come move back to Texas with us and you can go to the community college down there and, you know, do things how you want to go. Or we want you to go to a four-year college. Well, at that point, I, you know, I, well, I did what I call my growing up up there. That's where all my friends were at the time. Yeah. So I said, well, no, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to go to college up here. So I applied and got in at Washington, Washington State University. Mm-hmm. Um, spent four years getting my undergraduate there in criminal justice. And worked another two or three years there for the local fire department while I was in school. Mm. When I was in school, I got a job with the fire department. Yes, I started off as a hose dragger. And then explains so much. (laughs) You cannot give me shit for being a Yankee. And then you uh, went that far to the dark side. Yeah. And then in 2007, uh, I ended up moving back to Texas. Okay. So I've been, and I've been back here ever since. And in 2009, I, you know, got my job with the PD. Okay. The PD. The PD. Yeah. That's how we keep it on this show. I've heard. That's yeah, why I said the PD. Up, yeah. It's I, secret. Super I, secret. I had to, yeah, I know. You'll never figure it out. But that's just what we do. We keep it separate. Absolutely. Right? You understand. So, all right. So, you came back to Texas. And was your goal to be PD? No. Uh, well, I mean, I, you got your degree in criminal justice, so. So, I have my degree in criminal justice. I, Ironically enough, I initially wanted to get my job or a degree in uh, mater- be a materials engineer. So I started in engineering. So you see this blank stare? <laughs> I have no I lasted clue. all of about through orientation. Okay. And then I said, no, nah, this isn't going to work for me. This is entirely too much math, entirely too much chemistry. I'm out. You're going to see, this. folks, this is a common theme with cops. As soon as they hear math, they're out. I'm out. I, I don't do math. There's <laughs> yep. a reason I have a calculator on my phone. Oh, right. So I was like, well, what's, what's the next easiest thing to do? Well, I grew up in a family of cops and firemen. So you know what? They have a good criminal justice program up here. I'll go ahead and do that. I mean, I wouldn't mind being a cop someday. Yeah. Wasn't on my, my, you know, goals at that point. Now, when you say cop, were you thinking like FBI, city PD, stateies? What were you thinking? I don't know that I had an idea of really what I wanted to do. I was thinking more of like city cop probably. Okay. Um, and it, I made it through a year of schooling and that's when I got my job in the fire department. So my interaction was with the Washington state patrol guys working accidents, the, the city guys, the university police, things like that. And from what I had seen, I was like, I really like the city guys, you know, better. So, um, I'm not going to work for those highway, highway donkeys. They're not going to work for me. Yeah. So I think that's where I might've had my, you know, my first idea of, okay, I'd rather go do that if I was going to do it at all. But that wasn't high on my list of priorities. I wanted to go be a fireman. Okay. So I got a job um, as a part-time firefighter in the city where I was going to school. So it worked out great. Um, did that. And then I graduated from college in 04, excuse me, in 02. Mm-hmm. And then stuck around and continued to be in a firefighter until uh, 2000, into 2006 when I kind of started transitioning out. Okay. 
And then in February of 07, my mom got actually diagnosed with lymphoma. And I was only coming home probably every two to three years. I was just, I was extremely into the firefighting thing. I was traveling as a wildland firefighter. There was, you know, I was doing some farming up there for um, uh, an ex-girlfriend's family that that was up there. I did some wheat, soybeans, barley, things like that. Yeah. Loved it. If I could be a farmer, that would be my dream job. Yeah. Because, but there's just no money in that. And if you don't have a a family that you can take over that from, you're never going to start there. It's never going to happen. So that's kind of out of the, you know, that's not going to work. So I do all that. I'm really busy. I never come home. I'm seeing my family, you know, every two to three years, which is not super conducive because I'm real close with my mom. And then she, my sister probably actually calls me and says, Oh, Hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but by the way, and then she lays it on me. I'm like, well, that's, all right, well, that's, that's, I think I found out in November of 2006. And as soon as I found out, I pretty much was like, I got to go. Um, and I upped and packed and moved home. Didn't Dang. even think twice about it. So when I got back here, my ultimate goal was to get hired by the fire department. Went through the testing process, made it to oral boards, and they zapped me in oral boards. Said, and I got the the form letter of you don't possess the characteristics necessary to perform the duty of firefighter. Oh, consolation prize! Yeah, go sweet, right down the hall. All right, so I'm I went left at the hallway. Now I'm going to go right at the hallway. So I went across the PD and filled out an application, and the rest is history. Okay, so you get into the PD in what year? Uh, 2009. January so, of 2009 was my start date. Okay, so 09 you start being being police and then uh once you're in now is it is it everything you thought it would be? Is it better? It's way what, better. What was what was your impression of police work when you first got in? I don't know that I had an impression of police work cuz I'd never done it. I and I had friends that did it. Uh, my old college roommate had been doing it for a while. So I, I, you know, I had a, it's like anytime you have a friend that does a job that you don't do, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, that sounds cool. I've got friends that, you know, they go fly airplanes. Yeah. sounds great. Except for I'm scared of heights, you know? Mm-hmm. So it sounds cool. Um, I don't know that I had a real big impression, um, mainly because I worked for a smaller municipality. The fire department I worked for probably at the time only had like 30 ish firefighters at, at, at any given time. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, we were, a, I guess your stereotypical college city where the summertime population was uh, maybe a 10th of what the school population was. I gotcha. So in the summertime, we were not busy at all running calls, but in the school year, we ran our tails off Mm -hmm. just because of the influx of students. Yeah. And students are dumb. Yes. So, So, and and I was living in smaller cities and, you know, and they are because I've worked around a certain college in this (laughs) Metroplex for a number of years. So I, I get it. But no expectation, just yeah. didn't, you know, now I'm working for the 16th largest city in the nation, so what do we do? 13th. Well, at the time it was 16th. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it's 13th. Yeah, yeah. now it's 13th. It's growing crazy. Yes. But, all right, so you get into the police work, and are you set on like, all right, I'm a patrolman, I'm going to stay patrolman, or did you, because of the department you went into so big, your options are so vast, there's a lot of options, like. I I really wanted to make sure that I was grounded in the roots of being a good officer, how to be a good street officer. Because I'm a big 
I'm a firm believer that if you're a good street officer, you will do well everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I was committed to, you know, some guys come in and they're like, no, I'm going to spend two years in patrol. Then I'm going to go find a specialized unit to go to. Yeah. I told myself, no, I'm not going to do that. I will spend a minimum of five years on the streets working, getting good at my craft. And then if the time comes and I have the opportunity, then I'll go try and be in a specialized unit or I'll promote or whatever, wherever life takes me next. Yep. Brandy and I talked about that yesterday and I was saying, you know, cause she, she felt a little guilty saying that she had been in patrol for a certain amount of years because she had gotten pregnant and that took her out for a little bit. So she's like, so technically I only did this amount of time. And she said, and then she moved into like the tech med stuff and, and whatnot. I said, yeah, in my opinion, you know, just as well as I do, because we work the same side of town for a bit. Yeah. There's guys that in two, three, well, I won't say two, but we'll say three years have put in the same amount of work as somebody that's worked five, six, seven years. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, so I, I give a buffer. I say three to five if you were a go getter. If you're, you know, the Johnny Cox is out there. You know, guys no are out there just killing it, gearling other people. That these random names, I don't expect everybody to know these people. But no, and and I, and I think that says a lot. Is is how how driven are you to go out and actually find work? Yeah, work will always come to you. There will always be calls to be dispatched on. They never go away. You know, we start the day with calls holding. We go home at the end of the day with calls holding. That's just the nature of the beast. Yep. But when we have those downtimes, because there are downtimes uh, in between, you know, certain points of the day, yep. are you out there looking for work? Are you chasing dope? Are you looking for stolen cars? Are you looking for wanted felons? What are yeah. you doing to maybe I make acts to make the street safer? Yeah. So I, I dare say that. I'm glad you bring that up because... With the environment today, I guarantee there's a lot of patrol officers that just sit back and wait for calls because being proactive is just another risk of getting yourself in trouble. 100%. Without a doubt. Because it seems like the current climate with police officers is how many little things can we get you in trouble for? I know hard chargers that would go out and beat the bushes until you know the rabbit ran out and chase them that will not move from a parking lot right now. Yeah for fear of getting hemmed up administratively Mm -hmm. for fear of getting hemmed up criminally or maybe both. Yeah. And we've got families we have to take care of. I don't, I am way too far into this career to have to go start somewhere else all over again. Right. So I can't risk catching an admin case or catching a criminal case for something that's completely trivial. Yeah. And, and I think part of, the mindset with citizens that I've heard anyway is that, well, you shouldn't be doing criminal stuff. And I would argue that it's not that we're doing criminal stuff. It's stuff that we're either trained to do or we're human. We, we mess up. Yeah, we're not robots. We're not out there trying to be criminal. The intent's not there, but it, it can happen. Yeah, my intent is never to do anything illegal. Yeah. Have I maybe illegally searched someone before? Yeah, I probably have unintentionally. Right. But that gets settled in the court system where they look at it and go, well, no, technically this was an illegal search, you know, fruits of the poisonous tree. Yep. They get and, cut they, loose. and they chunk it out. Yeah. No big deal. No harm, yeah. no foul. Yeah. You know, now I have always been one of those guys where I will err on the side of caution mm-hmm. that I want to be, I want to be, beyond the shadow of a doubt certain that I have what I have and that I know what I know 
Yes. Before I'm willing to place someone in handcuffs and ruin their night and potentially their life for something yes. so silly. Yeah. You know, and I, and I was the kind of guy, I'm the kind of officer that I never shied away from DWIs. A lot of officers refused to work yeah. them because they're scared. Yeah. You and I, we, we yeah. were like the guys for our team. They, they were, they're scared of the paperwork. They don't yeah. like the time that it takes, which in reality, it's not hard paperwork. It's just time consuming yeah. is all it is. It's, it's, it, the problem is, is a lot to memorize. Yeah. But once you've got it down, you've, you've got it down. Now, I, I'll be the first to say, if I were to go out and do one right now, it's going to take me two hours, minimum, maybe three. I Yeah, if uh, <laughs> it would take me a couple hours to do it. I could yeah. still do it, I mainly could... because, you know, just I haven't dealt with the new report writing system a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I went to jail for the first time in five years, you know, on an arrest. Yeah. And I had to have one. An arrest you made. An arrest I made. Yeah, not you made. Not that I went, no. <laughs> I'm still here to talk about <laughs> yeah, it. Right. No, on, on, on an arrest that I made, but I had to have one of the patrol guys come help me. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm a, so I'm in a specialized unit now. So I am not one of those guys that is going to stir up the hornet's nest, call in patrol and, and just then dump it on them. Take hey, it. Here, have your gaze. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. If, if I can't easily transition it to them, I'm not going to burden them with that. Right. Now, but I mean, I may need a little bit of help. Yes. But I'm not, your help is literally standing in the corner. You can play on your phone and just, if I have a question, just answer it for me. Yeah. Yeah, I will, affidavits don't change. Yep. Police work doesn't change for the most part. Yeah. You it's, know, the laws change, but the work doesn't. Yeah. The scariest part for for me is just, like you said, the system changes, and you get in there, and you're looking at it, and you're like, I know what I'm doing, but I don't know how to do it on here. That's exactly right. You yeah. feel lost. Yeah. It feels like you're in field training for the first right. day all over again. Yeah. It's And it can be overwhelming if you're not you know committed to trying to figure it out yourself. Yeah, exactly. The The, the job I'm currently doing, like, my guys make rest daily. I mean, we're, and I, I do my best to, you know, I'm doing the detective side mostly and, and trying to help run the team. But there's times where I'm like, I could really help the team out if I knew how to work the system better, but it's going to take time for one of them to have to show me. And then I end up just, we end up making it take longer than it needs to. Yeah, and that's why I kind of tag along with them while they're doing it. So yeah. I can kind of look over their shoulder and say, okay, how are you guys doing yeah. this? I want to see the the systems and the process in which you are going through this. Yep. So that when I come back, I mean, even systems in the jail have changed. Yeah. I went to the jail the other day and I went, oh, boy. Uh, yeah. I remember how to get people in jail. But, things, you know, the the company has changed. The po- Some of the policies have changed. Yeah. There's been a lot of changes since. The 20 million questions they asked before yes. you can even walk through the you main know, door. <laughs> you know, and when, when I went out in 2016, I didn't anticipate all those changes happening in that right. short period of time yeah. before I came back. I was like, holy, I felt like the world twist turned upside down. Yeah. So the changes with patrol, you know. You joined a specialized unit, but you did your, how many years did you do in patrol? Uh, I did, so I did 2009 to 2006, so just. 2009 to 2006, you worked backwards? I mean, to 2016, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you did, I can't math. About, so. uh, a little over six years. Seven okay, years so you did six, seven years in patrol, yep. and you had the TAC Med unit get started up. Yes, so. The, the TACMED unit existed prior to 2016. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't very, um, it wasn't very centralized. It wasn't very organized. Okay. It was basically a bunch of officers that were from different parts of town that said, hey, we th- this is a program we'd like to start. And I remember the, the first class we took, there were probably uh, 11, 12, 13 of us in a room. Um, and most of them are still here today. 
where we took our first medical class and we learned how to do some, you know, and the idea was to go out and take that into the field and use it to save police officers. Yeah. The whole point of the unit that I'm in is to save Fort Worth police officers. Right. And that's why we started it. If we save someone else in the process, hey, that's just icing on the cake right there. Yeah. So um, it started, I want to say it first really kind of started in about 2013, 2014-ish. Uh, is where when we first kind of started getting some some additional training into what you and I had when we went through the police academy, right? Okay, which was next to nothing. So you get you get on this unit in 2016. Uh, yes, when I, well, when I come back in 2017, I'm assigned to the unit. Okay, so you're assigned to the unit. Yes. So um, I'm trying not to skip ahead, but you're you were involved in an incident. Some may say that, yes. Okay, so one of the things about me when I asked you on here is I wanted you to tell the story, and I know you've told it a million times. You've been on Good Morning America. You've been all these places and tell it. I'm not asking you to, you don't have to tell the whole it didn't bother me. Drawn out if thing. Because if it bothered me, I wouldn't, yeah. you know, I wouldn't still go on speaking yeah. engagements to this day. It, but the... The benefit, I think, is the the type of audience I draw versus the type of audience Good Morning America draws or any of these other places draws. Mine is all of us. It's all of our first responders, first liners, uh, front liners, I should say, military guys. Um, and we'll even let the fire department. Yeah, yeah, some, some FD guys. Uh, and they're, they're, they're a main audience. But the point of the show is to reach out to, I want I want citizens that either don't like police or, or what we do or frontliners or any of that or those that just want to be educated. So that's kind of the angle. And, and I really think that's the reason I started talking about what happened to me. Not because I'm any, you know, I'm anything special. You're not. But I really, you know, I really want to show that we are human beings just like anybody else out there. Yeah. We've all got families. Yeah. We like, all bleed the same blood. We all cry. We all, you know, get angry. Yeah. We all make mistakes. I didn't even like you before you got shot. Well. And once I, you got shot, I was like, okay. I still don't even like me. What are you talking I gotta, about? I guess I gotta like him now. <laughs> <laughs> We're such assholes to each other. Well, that's how, that's how we show love. <laughs> it is. So. You can ask Brandy. I, every time she puts something on Facebook, I have to, Yo, your face is so stupid. You know, yeah. we always go back and forth. Yeah. She usually has to put it on wide angle though. So. Well, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. She's a Clydesdale. Oh, yeah. I told her yesterday she's a, she should get a, a Clydesdale, like a stuffed animal, but a unicorn one. Uh, that can probably be arranged. So that's I think that's the goal. If she doesn't already have one. She doesn't. Oh, really? We were talking about it. I was like, yeah. It's like mm. if you're a Clydesdale, you're more like a unicorn Clydesdale. Yeah, no, that is absolutely true. Yeah, because she still likes to get dialed up. They can make anything. Yeah. I I'm, The internet <laughs> is an amazing it thing. Is, I know. So, all right, I'll let you. I want I want you to talk about... You know, we we can jump straight in the story, but I want you to talk about. Let's talk about the the time leading up to that, the days, the weeks. What what were you up to? Were you just patrolling? Were you what were you up to before you got to that? So there had been some changes. Um, I don't I don't remember how long you had worked for the department. By the time I got got hurt, was they had what they call a power shift in our department when I was a rookie. Mm-hmm. When I was going through field training, it was... Yeah, my 10, dad worked power shift for... I worked for your dad yeah. on power shift. Yeah, So it was um, 10A to 8P. 
That was the power shift. It's an awesome shift. Great shift. Yep. Well, it had been neutralized, and we went from four shifts to three shifts. So I had been working evenings pretty much my entire career, which started off at 4P to 2A, which I loved that shift. Still to this day, would love to work that shift. Yeah. And then it kind of evolved to 3P to 1A, even better shift, would work it to this day. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of a nighttime kind of guy. Yeah, I, well, I, don't, I don't do early mornings. It's more fun then. Yeah, I do not do early mornings. And then pri- about three weeks prior to me getting hurt, we had a citywide sign-up again. So for those who don't know what a citywide sign-up is, is we, every once in a while, we'll have a big giant meeting room where we go in and we sign up for what shift we want to work, what side of town we want to work, what days off we want. And I had a a classmate of mine come to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about leaving North Patrol and coming to West Patrol. If I got one of the power shift days with the weekends off, would you come over and work with me? Like, absolutely, I'll I'll come work with you. Running buddy. Yeah, so I changed my shift from the evening shift back to the power shift. And he and I started running together, you know, on the west side of Fort Worth, where I've worked my whole career. Um, I've never worked any other side of town. Okay. Well, about three weeks, right before I got hurt, actually, he's always wanted to do canine. Always wanted to. Didn't get selected the first time. Wasn't going to put in the second time. So I'm like, dude, why? 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 Just put in. What's the worst they can tell you? No. Yeah. Who cares? Put in. Oh, they already know who they're going to take. I just, you know, he's the consummate pessimist. So I, t- I, I convince him to put in for it, and he does, and gets it. Okay, great. So he leaves me on a shift that I would never normally work, and he goes to um, K9, which is cool. I mean, go for it. I'm all I'm 100% supportive of that. About two weeks after he leaves, uh, he hadn't he hadn't gotten a dog yet. They, okay. were, they were waiting to get him a dog. So he was kind of working the day shift hours, um, going through some some training, helping out with things here and there. So we used to go get breakfast in the morning since I had to be at work at 10 a.m. anyway. And anyone who's worked during that time, there's between 10 and, say, around noon, there's kind of a slow time where there's not a lot going on. Guys that are coming on will typically go eat. Day shift will go eat their lunch, you know, whatever needs to be done. So we went and had lunch, breakfast that morning at one of our, you know, local uh, Mexican food restaurants there on on Barry. Mm-hmm. I and I kick myself every day for saying this. We went to leave, and I made the the comment of, "Well, you know, there's not been a whole lot going on. It's been pretty." And I used the Q word. Ooh. I said the Q word. Yeah. And I was like, "I'm just going to go over to him, beat, and start answering calls." That was my first fatal mistake. I got gotcha. you. So we part ways. I go out to my beat. Well, I get a call from one of our narc officers who's like, hey, I'm knocking down cars coming out of this area. Would you mind coming and helping me? Because I can never get day shift to help me out. Yeah. There are a lot of old heads. They don't want to work. I get it. Yeah. And they don't definitely don't want to find dope. Yeah. So I went out there, started helping him knock down cars. No big deal. I've done it a thousand times. Well, I hear a fugitive unit come over the radio. Which is no big deal. Happens all the time. Hey, you know, we, we've got this car. We want it, We need to get it stopped. Well, I'm, I'm busy. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So that's when I hear other units are, okay, we'll come help you. Well, I flip over to a completely separate radio channel 
and I just I, I happen to be going back and forth between the two in my car. I've got one in my ear from my handheld, and I've got my my in car on a different, completely different channel. So I hear him try and make the stop. Oh, he's going to run. Of course, yeah, that's that's normal too. But yeah. I'm still nowhere near it, and it's going eastbound, and I'm already out to the west of it. Not even concerned about it. All of a sudden, it starts taking some turns, and it's coming south now. I'm going, oh, okay, well, there's potential here. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yep, yeah, it's coming right at me. <laughs> so it takes a turn west, and it comes right at me. Right. So inside, inside, you're like, even though you may not have wanted to work real hard that day, you were like, all right, it's going to be sweet. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get in a pursuit. This is going to yeah, be awesome. Because yeah. who doesn't like to get into pursuit? And I try to tell people, like, even on your laziest feeling day, because we all have them, even yeah. on the end of your laziest day, if the fun stuff's coming your way, and this is, you want a judgment of if you should be a cop or not, when the fun stuff starts coming your way, if you're like, I don't want to do that. Don't do the don't job. Don't do the job. No. <laughs> yeah. If the fun stuff's coming my way, I'm going to get a piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. Why, and why wouldn't I? Yeah. So it starts literally, this pursuit starts coming right the direction I'm sitting. I mean, it's, it's funny because, mind you, this whole thing's on video. Mm-hmm. It starts with a traffic stop that I have my body camera on for. And you see me walk up to the car that I'm talking to, and I just kind of throw his stuff back up in my turnaround and haul back to my car. Yeah. We don't do that oft, you know, very often. Yeah. And so. They loved it. Oh, they're like, oh, <laughs> sweet, he's gone. I don't have to worry about him because he was leaving a dope house. Yeah, okay. So I go over, and I'm sitting in an intersection where I know this pursuit has to come right by me. There's not an option. Well, I mean, there's options, but the chances of it going anywhere else are not very good, mm-hmm. especially knowing where it came from. Yeah. So I pull out some stop sticks. I'm like, I'm going to get me a good, I'm going to get me my stop stick stop pin. pin. Yeah. <laughs> Which I already have anyway, but that's not the point. It's still fun. Well, e- I, explain that. Explain. So stop sticks are, it's a tire deflation device that we throw out there to have the, the bad guys run over so that it will slowly deflate their tires and eliminate the pursuit. Yes. Theoretically. So it's a safety. Yeah. It's device. a safety thing. Yeah. Although they're extremely dangerous to throw. Yes. For officers. For officers, yes. yes. Right, Brazil? Yeah. So we, uh, I I see him coming. I go to throw the stop sticks. Well, he jumps the cement median, which is a big, I don't know how he didn't blow his tires out, to be honest with you, because it's a big um, curb. What type of vehicle was he in? It's a Ford Escape. <laughs> okay. So I don't know how he didn't burst his tires doing that. No pun intended? He, yeah. I mean, it's he was trying the escape. Yep. But, mm-hmm. So he goes around my stop sticks, and he starts driving into oncoming traffic. Well, you know, we have a policy here. We can't drive into oncoming traffic to chase. Right. So I, 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 I think about this all the time. As soon as I got back into my car, you see me throw my stop sticks back in the back of my truck, my Tahoe, and I take off after him. And you hear me get on the radio, and I think it was West 243 at the time. I'm West 243, permission for third in the pursuit. And you know why I'm asking that. I know why I'm asking that, because I'm not getting hemmed up for a violation of general orders. Right. Because our general orders state that you can have two in the pursuit and a, and a supervisor unless you have permission. Yes. Well, knowing this guy's history, knowing what he was wanted for, I was like, sweet, where he got this one. I'm going to be able to, t- to take third, no problem. So I, I'm like, well, I, I said it over the air, so therefore I asked for permission. Now, you're covered. <laughs> if they don't say anything to me, they don't tell me no, I'm just going to assume yes is the answer. I, I concur. So... We start chasing this guy down Vickery back towards the freeway. And he is, dude, he's driving like a maniac. Um, 
I've seen very few people drive that crazy when we were chasing them. And you know, in the, our, our older Tahoes could, they could get up and go. Yeah. They could definitely yeah, move. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they weren't as good as the crown Vic. No, but nothing as good as a crown Vic, Yeah, but they could go. And I had one of the older ones. So we race out towards the West loop and he, he hops back on the, um, the West loop, but I'm, I'm probably, I'm three cars behind and I'm thinking, okay, I know this area better than anybody. I have been over here for the last seven years. Uh, he can't go anywhere that I don't know where he could potentially go, where the outlets are, uh, where he could hide, things like that. So he kind of, he's going up the loop and all of a sudden he dives off the end of an embankment down onto a service road, which the service roads in our area, once you get to the bottom of them, they typically have a pretty big steep ditch in them. And the lead pursuit vehicle at the time was, you know, it was a Ford Taurus. Uh, yeah. So they're like, well, I'm not going to be able to follow him. So you see me just race around the outside of the fir- the two previous or the two lead vehicles because I know where he's going. I know where he has to go. So I exit on Chapin and I wait and I'm like, okay, he's got to come a certain direction. Well, I hear someone on the radio go, he's coming, you know, northbound in the southbound lanes. And of course, I try and correct him like an idiot. I look back at him and I go, man, I'm so stupid. Yeah. He says, I said, no, they got to be going southbound. He says, no, they're going the wrong direction. They're going northbound on the southbound lanes. And about that time, here he comes blowing by the front of me. <laughs> he tried to tell you. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I'm the only one there. There's, I didn't see anybody else at the time. So we take Chapin Road out to the west where there's nothing but cow. What was that? I don't know. I feel like someone was talking to us. That was creepy. That was really creepy. Do you have ghosts in this? Uh, I think I was editing Brandy's video earlier. Oh. And I left it playing in the background and it just said something. Uh. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, that was a little creepy. I'm not going to lie. I was like, because eh, I didn't know where that came wow. from. Wow. So we head out west and anybody knows anything about it. we have a lot of rural areas still in fort worth even being the you know 13th largest city in the nation yeah we have a lot of rural land still that's just cow pastures and just wellheads and i mean there's nothing out there and that's where we're headed so following him i'm not i'm not really thinking more i'm thinking more about okay where where could he go what could he do what what's the next move i didn't expect a bailout to be honest with you until we got on to 2871 and I was watching him kind of dive towards um, driveways. And that to me is a dead giveaway. Okay. We're, this is about to terminate. We're going to go on foot. Um, Cause anyone who's been doing this job or ever had someone in a, you know, a vehicle pursuit, you know, when a foot yeah. pursuit's about to ensue. Yeah. So I call out, he's, he's, he's trying to, he's looking for a place to bail, you know, just stay close. We'll, we'll get him surrounded. No problem. Well, he ends up turning up a driveway through a gate that had been left open, not intentional left open, but it was on a timer. And we just happened to catch it in that two minute time frame from the time that it opened to the time that it was supposed to shut. And he goes racing up this driveway. And I always tell people, it looks like the scene from a Dukes, the Dukes of Hazard. You, mm-hmm. I couldn't have scripted it better, you know, dust everywhere. And if you look at my dash camera footage, you can't hardly see anything in front of me. It was, I was, you know, I was Luke Duke going up that driveway. And then we get to the top of the driveway. Well, it's a house. It's a residential house and there's nowhere to go. 
So he kind of drives up as far back up the property as he can. He stops and bails out and starts running through the woods, or I, the brush. I don't know that we really have woods in Texas. Right. <clears throat> so natural instinct, what do we do? We chase yeah. the driver, yeah. right? So I take off after him, um, not knowing a lot about his history at the time. I, I missed a part of the radio transmission when I was on another channel. I missed the whole armed and dangerous part. Ah. Didn't ever hear that. So we go tearing off. I say tearing off. It was a, it was a quick trudge because the, the the brush was just so thick you couldn't. There's no way to run. Through. So from your car to the point where you lose sight of him or you saw him run. What? How far oh, was man. that? It, it, it couldn't have been more than 35 yards, but you still couldn't see more than 10 yards in front of you because of how thick the brush was. Okay. So we hit a fence line. I see him belly roll over the fence line. And I'm not doing that. That's 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 a recipe for disaster with all the stuff that we carry on our on our right. waist. I'd end up hanging upside down. It'd be Wiley Coyote, you know, versus the Roadrunner, and I'd lose, and it yeah. wouldn't be good. So I remember specifically stopping because I didn't see where he went. I'm, I I thought I saw him scurry up the hill. So I remember stopping and going, "Okay, what's next? What do we do? Um, do I, I can't let him go? Got to keep chasing because you know." The rabbit ran. We're the cheetah. We're going to chase it. Right. So I remember trying to find a, a, a down post. It would hit to the ground because, I, okay, I know if there's a down post, I can I can use that to support myself while I climb over this fence. You know, I, I kind of grew up as a country boy. I know how it goes. So I did that. I found the down post. I started climbing the fence, got one leg over, went to kick the next leg over, and caught the heel of my foot on the top of the fence line while I was already bailing off the fence and ended up just flopping right off the fence. And that's kind of when everything just, it went into slow motion, but it all happened so fast all at the same time. I, as soon as I hit the ground, I kind of did a, okay, am I hurt? No, okay, I'm good. And as soon as I look up the hill, I see the bad guy walking down the hill towards me with a gun extended out in his right hand. And it, everything just kind of slowed down and the, the, the tunnel vision came into where I could see the tip of that bullet in the end of that gun. And then as soon as he let that first round go, that the first pow, that's when everything sped back up. So he starts firing at me. Um, I start firing back at him. And all I, all I know is that as slow as it was, it was also very fast because my leg is just in, I'm in excruciating pain from my leg. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was from the fall. I don't know what happened. Um but he's shooting at me and I'm shooting back. Now I'm shooting back at him because he got off. Uh, I think he got off eight or nine rounds before I ever got my gun drawn out of my holster. That's how fast it was. Mm -hmm. So I, I pull out, I draw, I start shooting and I let off what I thought was an entire magazine. turns out it was only 10 rounds, Okay, but everything stops. And I'm thinking, okay, we got a problem here. I am in excruciating pain. I'm laying out in this field in the middle of God knows where at this point. I don't even know how to tell anybody to get to me. So I got to figure out, I got to do a reload. I have to reload my gun, but I'm using my, you know, my spare hand to keep me up off the ground. Cause I'm on kind of a hill. So I don't roll down the hill. So it's for about the time I make a decision on what I'm going to do. He pops back up and starts waylaying me again with rounds. And that's when, uh, rounds impacted me and it just basically pushed me over backwards on my face. So now I'm laying face down in a, in a giant mesquite bush. Oh, 
which if you don't know anything about mesquites, they can have thorns on them that are probably anywhere from three to four inches long. And they're, I mean, they're as tough as can be. I mean, they flatten tires easily. So I'm laying down there and the shooting has stopped and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what, what am I going to do? Okay. Uh, I'm at a severe tactical advantage right now. He knows where I am. I can't see him anymore. Disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm screwed. Yeah. What's my best play at this point? So my best play at that point was I'm going to play possum. I'm going to play dead. And hopefully he'll leave me alone. Uh, that didn't happen. He basically walked up over the top of me, put a put the gun to my head and pulled the trigger. Which part of your head was it? The right side of my head. So you, right temple. You're face down. He's not. You're not looking at him? I'm not looking at him at all. So he puts the gun into the bush, puts it up to my head. And I remember the barrel hitting my face and it was hot. And it... It also scared me when it hit my face, so I tucked my chin down to my chest because I, oh, the whole time, had been trying to get out on my radio. But everybody else felt that their radio traffic was more important than mine, so I couldn't get on the radio. I couldn't tell anybody where I was. I couldn't tell anyone I would, had been shot. I know the shots fired had been called out because I heard it in my earpiece, um, but that was it. I mean, that's all I could tell anybody. And about that time, that's when that light, that, I mean, he let that that thing fly right in my ear. It found, sounded like a cannon going off. Mm-hmm. And it it felt like someone had, like Floyd Mayweather had just sucker punched me in the in the gut. I just, I couldn't breathe. It was. Really? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I like having the wind knocked out of you. Anyone that's had the wind knocked out of you, that's how it felt. And that's when I went, oh, crap. I am extremely hurt now, and I don't know what to do. I'm by myself. Don't know Don't know who's around. Don't know where he went. And in that time frame, some things happened that I don't, I never heard. I mean, to the point where more shots are fired. Uh, um, two officers are having a discussion with each other that I can hear, but they don't see me. Mm-hmm. And in the auditory exclusion and in all, with all the adrenaline running, I thought that that was the bad guy talking to the other bad guy, and they were out to try and find more officers to hurt. Because the conversation was, is, oh, we got one of them. Uh, how many more of them do you think there are? And so to me, and that registered as, well, I just killed this cop. How many more cops do you think there are that we can, that okay. we can take out? So, That's how it registered yeah. in my head. I didn't realize that was two officers talking to each other because they had just eliminated bad guy that had shot me. Uh, Come so, to find out. Okay. So, so you get, you got the gun. It's a handgun. I'm taking it. Yeah. Handgun put to the side of your head. The bullet, obviously, because you tucked your chin. Yes. So you tucking your chin. It, it, did the impact knock you out, or did you did you not lose consciousness at that moment? I never lost consciousness. Okay. Um, so instead of the bullet going through my head, what it did was it traveled down my face, broke my jaw, wrapped around to the back of my neck, knocked two of the transverse processes, basically the bones on the back of the spine mm-hmm. that kind of make you look like a stegosaurus, knocked two of those off wrapped back around, came within less than a millimeter of my aortic arch of my heart, gave it basically gave it a blast injury, almost tearing that aortic arch, and then landed in my left lung. Was oh. the final bullet. Jeez. So it did that was the one that did the most damage, I would say. And that's the like least likely trajectory I would have ever expected. Yes. So <laughs> bullets do weird things. I mean because yeah. you gotta think I was laying face down. He put the gun in there. So ideally you would think it Oops, sorry. Ideally, you would think that it would just blow out my cheek or, or both, no, not travel down my face, you know, down yeah. this way. Yeah. 
but bullets do weird things. You know, we, we've all seen it. Yeah. You know, it'll hit a bone and you go, you're like, how the heck did that happen? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So the, the list of injuries I have now is after it's all said and done, I figure out the first set of rounds I was shot twi- uh, twice. One went, entered my right leg, shattered my femur, and then was just chilling right inside the, the first couple layers of skin just inside my, on my inner thigh. One, I got shot in the butt, you know, through and through. And then the second set of rounds that hit me, one went in my right shoulder and punched a hole right in the patch on my on my sleeve. Oh. So, which I have that patch still to this day. Nice. Goes out my back and gets caught by my vest on the way out my back. Okay. One goes through my shoulder, into my armpit, into my chest, hits a rib, which ricochets it down, which punctures my diaphragm, laterates my liver, and lodges in my spleen. That's a bad one. And those are not good because those are very vascular. Yeah. And you can bleed to death just from those. So I have all those injuries. Plus I have a, you know, so now none of my lungs are working properly. I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I've got these people talking about, oh, how many more do you think we can take out? And I'm freaking out. Yeah. But I can't freak out because I know if I start to freak out, the game's over. Yeah. Um, just because I've, I've, I've been working in EMS since I was 20 years old and I kind of know how the body works. So all of a sudden I start hearing, show us your hands, show us your effing hands. And I know that that's our guys. They can see me, but all they can see are my feet and my, like my lower legs. They can't see my upper body, so they can't see my uniform at all. So you could be, that could be the bad guy's feet. Yeah. They don't know who that is. Yeah. Um, all they heard was rustling in the bushes and they look over and here's these feet hanging out of a bush, you know? So they're challenging me. Show me your hands. Show me your hands. And I'm trying everything I can to scream blue, blue, blue. And, and for those who don't know what that means, that's just me telling someone else I'm a cop. Same team, you know, same, something like that. So I'm trying to yell blue. I can't because my, another one, neither one of my lungs are working right. Yeah. They're too busy screaming at me to listen to what I'm saying. And so re- really at the very last time I yelled, that was kind of my last ditch effort. I was like, you know, blew as loud as I could. And finally they heard me and they're like, oh, crap, that's one of ours. So I remember them pulling me out of the bushes. And I now I'm the medic. They're asking me what to do because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not to their fault. I'm not, I don't blame them for that. But I, I'm normally the, the one that's saying, hey, we need to do this, 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 and this. Well, we didn't have a tactical medic unit at the time. Politics kind of got in the way. We all got disbanded. We all got sent different directions. There was no such thing as a tactical medic at that time. So I'm telling them what to do. Look, you got to cut my shirt off. You got to get my belt off. You got to get this vest off me. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm suffocating. So they start going to work. I don't know how long they worked before all of a sudden I hear a voice in the background and I instantly recognize that voice and it's Brandy. Oh God. Yeah, I instantly recognized that voice. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, great, she's here. But the other side of me is like, thank God someone's here who knows what to do. Yeah. I don't have to do the work. She can tell them what to do, and I can relate to her what's going on to where it can be fixed a little bit easier. So let's slow down for a second. How much time had passed from the time you got shot to the time they find you for Brandy to get there? Oh, I. It couldn't have been more than nine minutes, I think, is what we guesstimated it was. Okay, so 
you get hit. Somehow she starts coming out that way because. So she was at the academy. That's where she was assigned at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know how it is when in a pursuit, when someone says, hey, there's a pursuit going on. We all listen to it. Because yeah. we, you know, we want to listen to the bad guy get caught. Right. So she's at work on a day she's not supposed to be at work. She was supposed to be in school, but they were on uh, spring break. And it's a Tuesday. She doesn't work Tuesdays. She always has class on Tuesdays. Okay. Her radio is broken because she had worked a part-time on the west side that weekend before. And it's stuck on the west side because the knob's broken. Okay. She was. Ta- she happened to be talking to her mom, who's one of our deputy chiefs. And she said, hey, there's a pursuit going on. You may want to listen to it. Okay, yeah, no problem. SWAT, their printer and copier was broken in their office, so they came down to the training office to make some copies and do some stuff, and that's when Brandy told them, hey, there's a pursuit out on West. Y'all may want to listen. So, you know, that SWAT officer gets on his radio, hey, guys, just so you know, there's a pursuit on West if you want to turn it on. So now all SWAT's listening. So the shooting goes out, and... Literally, as soon as the shots fired comes out and the officer down comes out, everyone starts just pouring out of the out of the academy like ants. Yeah. Uh, Brandy describes it as, you know, she she was at the front of the building. They're kind of in the middle of the building. And when she went around the corner to head down there, it was just these little green men pouring out of this building yeah. and taken off towards, you know, towards where the shots fired were called out. Yep. And that's kind of how she figured out, oh, heck, we've got an officer now. we got to go. So they start kind of making, I mean, driving this general orders 20 miles an hour with the speed limit, going that direction. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, that's how they get notified to come out there, and that's how Brandy ultimately ends up out on the scene. Okay. So she shows up, and I'm like, oh, God, thank goodness. Somebody's here that knows what they're doing. I'll be okay. I'll be, I'll be fine. So that's when kind of the melee ensues of, okay, we, we got to do this, 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 and this. Uh, put on a tourniquet on his leg because I was bleeding pretty bad from my leg internally. And we got we to gotta go. Because once I told her, Brandy, I can feel my lungs filling up with fluid. We got to go. And that it's, and because we're on the same page, she knows that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And we got to go. Well, luckily, Care Flight had already been launched. Okay. Um, preemptively. Preemptively. Um, that's good. Care flight had been, had launched already that area. Um, and so our air one pilot actually, who had been following the pursuit about the time I got involved in it, got on the phone, you know, got on the, on their channel and said, Hey, just so y'all know, we got an officer down. We don't know where the other shooter is. One, the, the, the main shooter we think is down, but we don't have a secure scene. Are y'all able to, will y'all land and pick him up? And, you know, they kind of did a powwow inside their helicopter and the, the helicopter pilots an old Vietnam vet. So he's like, ah, no problems. We'll do this. And everyone describes it as he basically nose dives down and pulls this hockey stop right there on the gravel road. It's a well road. Well, they're trying to move me out of the, out of the grass up onto the road. The problem is, is that we had had an ungodly amount of rain. That oh, it was muddy. I it bet. was muddy as could oh, be. Yeah. I, mean, I was covered in mud. It was hot. That'll help stop the bleeding. Yeah. I remember being hot as can be. And so they put me in the back of a Tahoe. And it's it's I'm in the back, and Brandy's kind of hovering over the top of me to try and still work on me while we move. And I remember hearing the, that engine just revving and mud just kicking up in uh-huh. the wheel wells. And I know what's going on. This thing's stuck. So yeah. they push it out. 
and it goes about 10 foot and it sinks up to the axle. So we're done at that point. And I remember Brandy literally going timeout. It's like she was, you know, she calls a timeout on the field. Yeah. <laughs> She's all right. This isn't working. Get him out. We're going to have to carry him. Now I'm 280 pounds, six, three, 280 pounds. That's I'm and I'm dead weight. Yeah. So now they got to pick me up and carry me across a muddy field. Yeah. So that, I'm sure that had to be a, a scene from the Looney. Yeah. Teams. I'd have been pissed at you. Yeah. Well, I'd have been yeah. talking and mad smack to I'm you. I'm sure they did too. Was gone, I'm so. sure they did too. <laughs> so at some point they put me on a backboard and I don't remember, I don't know if I passed out temporarily due to pain. I don't know how that all went down, but I remember waking up and I can, the, the, or the next thing I remember is I feel the rotor blades and I'm talking to the flight nurse and she's asking me the usual questions. You know, what's your name? Are you allergic to anything? Uh, and Brandy's right there with me and they're getting ready to load me in the back of the ambulance. And Brandy says to me, she says, I can't fly with you, but I will meet you at the hospital. I'm like, okay, I get it. You can't fly with us. These are small air, you know, aircraft. I've been in, I've been around medical aircraft before. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, no water problem. And she, and she kisses me on the forehead. And I'm like, well, that was really weird. I mean, Brandy doesn't normally do that, so that's odd. So that one kind of had me a little concerned. And then all of a sudden, I'm talking to the nurse again. And she says, okay, what's hurting you the most? I'm, my leg. My leg hurts. I don't, nothing else hurts. My leg hurts. Just knocking me out. I remember begging her to knock me out. Just knock me out. And she goes, oh, I, can, can I, I don't think I can do that. And I'm going, looking back on it, I know why she can't do it now because yeah. they needed to get a good blood pressure before they started pumping me full of ketamine because they got to have a good blood pressure. So I remember we go, and in the same breath, I hear her say, what hospital are we going to? And I look up and I go, we're going to JPS. She goes, well, I don't know if we can go there. And I lost my mind. Yeah, I let off a string of curse words that make a sailor blush yep. at her and I'm going to have your job. If I wake up anywhere other than JPS, it's my choice. I'm still conscious. You know, I went into all the legalese about it too. Yeah. And, uh, so I think at that point they pushed ketamine on me because I don't remember <laughs> anything after that. I remember, I remember starting to lift off. I remember nothing until we got to the, the roof at JPS. I remember the doors opening cause that hot air hit me in the face and yeah. kind of startled me again. And then I, I remember the cool air hitting my face of going into the back doors. And I don't remember anything after that. Now, I stayed conscious the whole time, but I don't remember. Yeah. Either. And that's, that's blood loss the, that's and the, medicine. The ketamine, yeah. you know, that's what amnesia can And thank God they gave it to me. Yeah. You know, they had to dope me up like a horse from the size of a horse. Yeah. So I got yeah. the good stuff. That's good. Okay. So, yeah, then I'm at the hospital. All right, so you get to the hospital. Um, well, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So something you, I don't know if I ever even told you. I was working a part-time when that was going on. And, I don't think I've heard the story. And somebody shoots me a text, hey, there's a pursuit, just like he said. Yeah. So I'm on a part-time, I'm bored. So We're going to listen. So I'm going to listen. I'm working downtown, so okay. um, I'm listening. Were you on bikes at the time? Uh, I was. Okay. I was a bike officer at the time. And uh, I'm, so I'm listening to it, and... Uh, I had my car there, which was very rare for me because I, I, I usually just take my bike. Yeah. Like I'd park at the sector and then just take my bike to the part-time. And uh, I brought my car with me and I hear it and I hear the pursuit and I'm listening. And I'm like, all right, it sounds like, okay, they're getting close. And you, I heard you say, I knew your voice because we worked together. So yeah. I, I knew you were involved. And like you said, I didn't know any of the, I didn't know it was an armed and dangerous guy. I didn't know any of that. 
and then I hear the shots fired. And I instantly jumped in my car. Yeah, what a lot of people don't know is you could hear the gunfire over it, the it, radio. radio. Yes. So I jumped in my car, and I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I was going to West Side. Yeah. So I just started driving. I didn't make it there, but I was... I, and I, I know I wasn't the only one. Well, so I get stopped all the time when people re- realize who I am. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I don't know if it was a slow news day or what, but my shooting took national media coverage almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, I don't know. Um, and like I said, slow slow news day, clearly. Um, but everyone tells me that they use, like you would, we knew something bad happened because you would never believe the sea of police cars headed down the freeways. Yeah. Just the absolute C from multiple different agencies from all over the place. They said, Mm -hmm. when we saw that, when you get to 30, 40, 50 cars, you know, it ain't good. Yeah. And I knew, I knew it was a wooded area that they were in and I knew patrol. I know how patrol is like if they're stuck and and you're, Matt's out on a pursuit, like, they could all be busy. Yeah. And so I didn't know how many bodies they'd have, and I didn't know how much wood line, because I know how it gets out there. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know how much wood line you'd be in. So, mm-hmm. And I didn't know you were shot. I didn't know who shot. I didn't even know who called out shots fired. And or and none of that. Yeah. But it didn't matter. You know how it is. It doesn't matter. It Well, a lot of people didn't know. Um, yeah. Because, so, I, I get requests all the I mean I get text messages all the time when something bad happens hey who was it who was it who was it yeah because you know? I, I pay attention to that kind of stuff very well yeah and I have I saw people tell me this day he's like I knew something was wrong because I texted you and nothing never I never heard a word about oh I no yeah. response no nothing that's how my my wife ended up finding out through Facebook I know she tried to call me multiple times I didn't answer and luckily one of my buddies of mine um who I worked with for a long time. He was like, look, I'm out here. Call me. And he actually called her and kind of gave her the details of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah, there was a lot of, of talk about the social media aspect of that. So, um, so you get to the hospital, obviously things worked out. You're, you're here yeah. talking to us. So Spoiler alert. I live, you live. So that's great. Um, I'm glad all that happened. Let's, let's talk about the other stuff. Yeah. So, uh, the bad guy, the one that shot you. Yeah. How, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to give that asshole any time on the air. So how did he get taken out? Who took him out? So after the execution shot, we'll call it, um, he was kind of limping down the road, down the, the hill, because I had hit him. I had hit him three times. Okay. Um, all in the guts. He was high as can be on meth and didn't re and not a whole lot. To, he would have died eventually from those wounds, but it wasn't going to kill him instantly. Um, so I am, am told this cause I don't, I didn't recall it even though you can hear it clear as day on my body camera. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember when I went for my interview with major case, they asked me, did you hear any after he shot you in the face? Did you hear any other gunshots at all? No, I didn't hear anything. And lo and behold, if you go back and listen to my body camera, there are shots that come over the over the top of me, and I had no clue. So a sergeant at the time, now a lieutenant, he uh, was out there. He had come over the top of the hill and saw him. The guy after the you know after we exchange gunfire, and they're kind of everyone kind of starts coming towards the sound of gunfire. He sees the guy kind of limping away 
And he knew what had happened already. He's like, well, we got a gunfire. There's a bad guy. We got a problem. So he lets off two rounds. And one round strikes bad guy. Other round misses. So drops the bad guy to the ground. Guy stands up, turns around, levels off at the sergeant at the time. And sergeant lets off two more rounds. One misses, one KOs him right in the eyeball. And just ends it right there. How Uh, far away were they? 331 feet. So 111, 112 yards with a handgun. So from 100 plus yards. With a handgun. That's and so he. That's a good rifle shot. So he hit him on the first try. He was and he, then missed. He fired four rounds and was fifty percent at four rounds. So first shot hit, second shot miss. Third Somewhere shot in that hit, order, yeah. Second shot miss. Yeah. Somehow in that order. Yeah. One of two hit and then one of two hit. That's amazing. Yeah. From a hundred something yards. Yeah. Like, I mean, we. The longest I've ever even attempted with a pistol was when we're in the academy and we do it at fifty yards. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine doing it over a football field away, standing yeah. in the other end zone. God. You know, that's a good rifle shot, not a lot of a, a, yeah. a, a nine millimeter pistol round. Yeah. You know, and hollow points aren't known for their accuracy at distance. That's crazy. That's so, crazy. Yeah. KO'd him right there. Okay. So he goes down. You said there was a second bad guy. Second bad guy. I never saw him. I, everything I learned about him, I learned after the fact. Okay. Um, <laughs> he exited the vehicle. When I go back and look at my body or my dash camera footage, I see him exit the vehicle and start running the opposite direction of bad guy number one. Okay. You can see in his hands he's got a rifle and a pistol. And he takes off in a God, I don't know where he went because he wasn't my priority at the time. The driver was. Yeah, the driver yeah. was the priority. We knew who the bad guy was that we were looking for for the warrants. They, The fugitive task force knew who he was. Yeah. They were very familiar with him. Okay. So he wasn't even a concern of mine. My understanding, and this is after talking to people, is four and a half hours later they finally found him laid up in the field, camouflaged in in um, leaves because he doesn't want to get caught. I mean, okay. to the point where they, they almost walk right by him and damn near step on him. Dang. Before they look back and go, oh, crap, you know. Here's our guy. Did he have those weapons with him? Yeah, he was laying on top of one of them and the other one was within uh, reach, yeah. That's but he didn't crazy. do anything with them. Okay. So, so cops aren't as bloodthirsty as people might want to say. <laughs> yes, that is, I mean, yeah. I think back in the old days, absolutely. I mean, he would have never made it out of that field, but that's the old days. Right. It's not how we do things now. Yeah. We've learned. Yes. So we're kinder and gentler. Yeah. Okay. So try to think he, he goes down. You're jacked up. Bad. Bad. So you obviously, you had a lot of things work in your favor. Despite all the things that worked against Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So it's kind of, that's very interesting. So I, I laid in that field for 29 minutes. From first shot to lift off with helicopter. Okay. In the field. For and 20, obviously there's minutes. medical treatment that can be done in the helicopter. So you, yes. you're receiving something, at least an IV. Yes. Something to get IVs. Some, um, yeah. I don't think at the time they were carrying whole blood. That's kind of a new thing yeah. that, they, that they've recently started doing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I started receiving more advanced um, field care. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to do a logical order here. I was going to ask about after like but i want to stick with the incident so for other agencies out there listening or or citizens that so you know are trying to improve their police department trying to get them the best uh what did we do right what did we do wrong because there's always and i'm looking at this as an after action thing like how can we improve what did we do really well 
So I had a lot of time while I was in the hospital to play the what if game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my wife will tell you, I drove her nuts while I was doing this, you know, because I sat back and oh, did I have to chase him? What if I would have stayed on the fence line? You know, I didn't have to climb the fence or what if I would have just set up a good perimeter and then we would have brought in a dog and you know, what if all day long? Yeah. I, I, I had a little bit of time, <laughs> a little bit. Um, and we can what if ourselves till the cows come home. The end of the day is, is that my concern was, is that this was a bad dude who I didn't know it at the time, but the people that were, had just gotten home to the house were a female, her daughter who's pregnant and a four year old boy the, in the, in the house in the that house. we stopped at. Okay. So the last thing I want is for him to run into that house and we have a hostage situation now. Right. So I'm not going to let him get out of my sight if I can help it. Um, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of the after action stuff for the, um, for the, we'll call it a call out just cause it's an all call at that point. Uh, I was, I spent too long in the hospital. They didn't want to wait for me. Jerks. You know, so they're not going to wait two and a half months in order to have an after action debrief just so that I'm there. Yeah. So I didn't get to participate so much in the after action, which what could have been done better, what could have done, what was wrong, what was right, yeah, kind of thing. I, I I don't I can't answer to that. Um, I think that that's a conversation that is probably better asked of maybe one of the SWAT guys that was out there that day. Okay. Um, they could answer that much better than I could, because there's only so many of them, and then they have to rely on patrol, which they don't do often. Yeah. Um, they have to rely on SRT, which they did more than, than they do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I can't answer that aspect of it cause I, I went night night. Yeah. I understand that. Um, as far as the officers that helped you out, that were out there with you before Brandy and all the other medical guys got there, is there anything training wise that, like, did they look back? Did they tell you later on, like, oh, man, I wish I would have done this. I yeah, wish. The, you know, the officer that found me, he hadn't taken our tactical lifesaver class yet. He didn't put it off and put it off and put it off. Didn't have any sort of medical gear that we give out free. Yeah, during the take, class. During the class. Yeah. You know, we give out a couple hundred dollars worth of equipment to every officer in our department when they take the class, either as a rookie or if they've already been hired and we're, we're teaching the class. Mm-hmm. So he hadn't taken the class at the time, and I think he felt bad about that. Because he truly didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it comes down to a lot of people don't think of the medical aspect of things because um, we're, we're cops. They don't think. And it's gross. It is. It's a lot of people get queasy at the side of blood. And, and, and I'm, I'm okay don't with that. I get queasy. I just don't want to touch it. But you got to do something. Yeah. Especially if it's your buddy. I mean, yeah. I don't care. I don't care who you are. If you're, if you're hurt and you're bleeding, I'm going to do something to save you. Yeah. But I, that's me, yeah. you know, and I can't speak for everybody, but I think a lot of officers are that, that way as well. That, look, I may not, you know, just run around and get my hands covered in blood with Joe Schmo's blood, but if I didn't have gloves and you got shot, I wouldn't have a problem getting blood all over me. Right. I mean, Brandy had bl- my blood all over her. Yeah. And it wouldn't, you know, it's, yeah. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. That's the least of my concerns. Exactly. So it's, I think it's super important. You got to train past the aspects of what you think you're available for. And Brandy always says, she says, look, I have trained for worst case scenario when I was in the military to being in the PD. And 
I had been put in all through all kinds of scenarios. I have never in all my training been presented with a patient with 10 bullet holes. Yeah. 10. She's like, I, I, we just haven't done that. Yeah. And he, he, she said that kind of raised the bar at that point. Jeez. So, and, and that has a lot to do with kind of some of the, you know, the rescue task force stuff that we're doing now for mass Cal stuff. Um, why we mandate that our officers go through medical training through the, for the classes that we put on for the department. Yeah. Um, and even if your department doesn't have those, I, I urge you to seek out departments that do offer outside training to get that medical training. Cause it may save your life or it may save your partner's life. I don't expect you to go out and put your hands on, you know, Joshua citizen, but I do expect you to put your hands on your coworkers. Yes, I agree. And like I said, it, it it didn't matter if it didn't matter if I didn't like you as an officer. I was yeah. joking, obviously, but if I didn't like you, I would have been there. Yeah, I would have been gone. And I think that's. I don't think that that is a lot of people say that. Well, that's how cops are, or that's how firefighters are. I truly believe. You know me; I'm an optimist at heart. I truly believe if, you know, the, the admin building it, you know. Uh, Boeing or Lockheed Martin, if they had something bad happen where somebody's down, I, I truly believe that their coworkers would. You're going to do that for the people you. Well, I think they're still they're still good citizens because look, how many yeah. times do we go and work an accident and there's like 17 people that have stopped to render aid, right? I mean, yeah. you'll get a call in of a you know a seven car mm-hmm. pile up when really, you know, there's only two involved, but everyone else stopped Stop to help to help render aid. Mm-hmm but they just assumed they were involved because yes. they stopped. Yeah. It happens every single day. I mean, it happened today multiple times. Right. We got calls. Of, I got a call of a five-car pileup and come to find out only two were involved, three just people that stopped to help. Yeah. Happens a lot more down south than it does up north. Yes, I would agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> but I, I've, part lived, of, I've lived in the Yankee Kingdom before. Yeah, part of the, the thing that I, I want people to understand is that it, cops and, and anybody, the paramilitary and all that stuff, we get it a lot of credit for, for being that type of person where we go out. But I, in, in my heart, I believe we're, most of us are like that. I, I truly believe most of us will do something to help if we can. Absolutely. In some way. Absolutely. Uh, if, for something like that. And in social media, too often we just see the bad stuff. Well, and we? that's part, that's why we do what we do is we want to help others. Yes. We didn't take this job, you know, because we wanted to write tickets. Yeah, we didn't take this job well, because stadies. we. Yeah, we didn't take this job because we wanted to make arrests. Yeah, we took this job because we wanted to help people that either couldn't or wouldn't help themselves. Correct. Yep, I agree with that. All right, so sir, you are. You're you're jacked up. You you recover, and spent two weeks in a coma. Medical induced coma. Medical correct? induced coma. That's right. Two weeks in a medically induced coma. Spent. Um, Five and a half weeks in the hospital and then another two and a half weeks in a rehab facility trying to learn how to walk again with a, because of my leg. Right. Um, explain. You explained to me about the femur, and I didn't know that, and I just think it's interesting. So explain to me what the muscles do to the femur. So your femur, that is the largest bone in the human body. I mean, it really it supports the mo- almost everything other than your hips. So when a femur breaks, you got to think of it as a long rod. And when that rod breaks, it will either separate side to side or it will crush down on itself. And what that does is that you have, you know, your your muscles and your quads for most people are 
the, you know, a, a large muscle group. So what that does is, is that it pulls that bone, shears it. So it's, it's hitting all the nerves. It's hitting all the flesh. It's, I mean, it, it is extremely painful. I mean, yeah. I had, I had patients when I worked for the fire department that broke hips and you always want to, I always wanted to touch, you know, be as, I guess, sympathetic to my patients as I could be to understand really what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So I'd ask them, you know, what, what, what's it like breaking your femur? And they're like, I, I can't describe the pain. It's just, it's the most intense thing you'll ever go through. So, okay. I mean, that makes sense. So now that it's happened to me, they're 100% right. Yeah. It Despite the, all the other shots. Yes. That's the one. That, that is the only, everyone always asks, okay, you got shot six times. What, what hurt the worst? What, what, what hurt worse? I don't know. I don't, nothing else hurt other than that broken leg. That's the only thing I cared about the entire time was my leg. And, um, I was speaking at a conference one time and I said, you know, I, I I broke my, my femur. I said, it's, I mean, the the most, the the best thing I could equate it to is maybe childbirth. I said, but I've never obviously given birth to anything. So I wouldn't know. Yeah. But it's not fun. And so I got done, you know, with the conference and, you know, people, oftentimes people don't want to ask me questions because they're afraid that it might trigger me or something, but it it doesn't bother me. I've been asked every question under the sun by the media, by just about everybody. Um, And so she said to me, she said, look, she's like, I have broken my femur and I've given birth naturally. And she said, the femur break was by far the worst. There you go. I said, I I will trust your opinion on that. Qualified. Uh, I have never been through the uh, the other yeah. aspect of that. So I'm pretty sure it was you that was telling me that the muscles are basically all in tension mode. Yes, they're when, in t- the, when the femurs intact, they're like rubber bands. Yeah, and so it's constantly just holding, and then as soon as that breaks, it's like they they snap back, and that's what causes that yeah the, the jagged ends of that muscle to dig into the oh. to the muscle and into the nerves and everything. So yeah, it's 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 you know imagine a a pencil under tension. With uh, you know a bunch of rubber bands, and the second you snap that pencil, it's gonna you know yeah. gonna, those rubber bands are gonna come to <sighs> taut, and that's a crazy way to think of they're it. They're finally gonna relax. That's when I realized, or that's when I mentally was like, it, it triggered for me. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, horrible. It's yeah. horrible. <laughs> that's terrible. I've broken a lot of bones throughout my life. Don't get me wrong. I've broken legs. I've broken ankles, arms, you name it. But that was by far the worst thing I've ever been through. Ugh. All right. So you rehab, you learn to walk again. Um, the 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 shot to the face, to the head. <laughs> that was the most annoying one more than anything else. So what was what was the end result of that? So that caused a lot of complications. Um, the injury to the aortic arch. For people that know what the aortic arch is, it's basically the largest vessel that comes off of your heart and sends blood to your body. If that tears you you'll bleed to death in two to three seconds yeah uh, you'll be dead before you hit the floor so um that's a problem the biggest problem with that is they don't know how to treat it they don't they've never had anyone survive this uh-huh. so they're in discussions with the cardiovascular surgeons down in houston is how do we handle this because they're the ex you know they're more experts than they are up here so the, the initial talk was, hey, we're going to send him to Houston. They're going to do a fairly invasive um, exploratory procedure, see what, they, what they're going to do. They, they don't even know at this point. And then it turns into, no, nah, you know what? We've, we've been watching it closely through uh, CAT scans, and we're just going to let it – we're going to watch it. If it. As long as it doesn't get worse, we should be okay. 
because eventually what happens is scar tissue will form around it. It will, um, you just have all the scar tissue. Nothing's going to happen to it. Yeah. Cause for the longest time I thought it was a walking time bomb. Like I thought at any point my heart was going to explode and I was going to be dead before I hit the deck. It's not a bad way and to I, go. And I was, yeah, I mean, I, I, but it scared me. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I talked to my cardio, cardiovascular surgeon who was there when I came in and he said, no, look, here's the deal. All that's going to, it's going to harden. It's, it's not, you're not just going to, you know, burst yeah. open. The body's going to know what to do. Yes. Yeah. So for the longest, for about a year, we just, we just watched it. That's all we could do is watch it. Um, it caused a lot of problems with my face. Obviously it, it my wife was freaked out at first cause when it initially happened, it made my face droop really bad. Kind of like you had bell, bell's palsy or you had mm. a stroke. So my face was just literally hanging down. Um, like my face was melting off. Yeah. And my wife was freaked. She's like, Oh, he had a stroke. He had a, which is not uncommon when you're laid up and you've got blood clots and you know, it, it, it's not an uncommon thing. So they took me and checked me. You know, he didn't have a stroke. We don't know what's going on. Um, for the longest time, they didn't even know there was a bullet wound. They didn't really figure out it was a bullet wound until hours and hours later. Wow. They started following the path of these bullets through my body because they were trying to figure out how they ended up where they ended up. And they started basically retraced it from my lung all the way back up my body to my face and realized, oh, crap. I think that's one thing we forgot to mention is when they pulled me out of that mesquite bush, it looked like I got in a fight with a Bengal tiger. Oh, so I was cut all over my face, all over my arms that were exposed. I mean, I was, it was bad. Yeah. So they just thought it was just a scratch on my face that was bleeding. They didn't even put two and two together at the time because it yeah. wasn't bleeding very bad. Yeah. And, uh, so really, the, and so now, you know, I have a metal plate in my jaw where it broke my jaw. Does it go off at the airport? No, surgical no. grade titanium oh, okay. off at the airport. I've asked. But they do ask you if you have any surgical medical in your body. Okay. This. And I always have to tell them yes. Sometimes they run you through a regular metal detector. Sometimes yeah. they run you through the one where you stand there like a, you know, like you're a cartoon character. Yeah. Um, it just depends on where you're at. Okay. Um, so I have a metal rod in my leg um, for that femur break. Because it's not your traditional break like, oh, it cracked. No, it blew out a segment of bone about an inch in diameter. Oh, so the bullet went right through it. Oh yeah, yeah. and it just it, it just disintegrated, it blew yeah. it into you know hundreds of pieces. Mm-hmm. So now they have to guess how long to make my leg again. They have to find a way to get it to heal. So right above my knee, you know, a, a normal bone is we'll say half inch in diameter, three quarters of an inch in diameter. Mine looks like this. It's all palmated because mm-hmm. all they could do is take that bone and press it back as close as they could get it back to the bone, and the bone just filled it in. Oh, okay. So and, and I've got pictures I can show you. That's cool of, of how it looks now. Okay, that'd be fun. So yeah, I mean, I've got I like, tons of pictures. <laughs> I like that stuff. That's fun. Yeah, as long as it's just those pictures. Yes, I don't want any selfies <laughs> of nasty stuff. No, no, no. I do have I do have the crime scene photos though. Oh really? Yeah, I do. Okay, nice. Okay, so the one part that we got the damage down. So you you, you recovery time. You learn to walk again. Um, speech, anything like that jacked up eyesight? No, nothing, nothing crazy like that. It was hard at first with the drooping of the face. I, like I couldn't drink any, I had to drink out of a straw out okay. of the side of my mouth. But other than that, no, I okay. mean, it was okay. The wound wouldn't heal. So I remember that. I remember you had that. I had for 10 months. I was, we were constantly treating it, constantly treating it cause it wouldn't heal. Well, I ended up going to a plastic surgeon and who told me, well, yeah, when that bullet went through your face, you have all these lacrimal glands, which cause your mouth to 
have saliva in them. So when you chew or, you know. So he said, well, when it went through there, it nicked one of them. And it's pumping saliva into the wound. Weird. Yes. So the problem with that is, is that wet wounds won't heal. Heal, yeah. So I I got Botox at 26 or at 36 years old. Okay. Horrible. Why would anybody pay for that first off? Does it hurt? It's horrible, yes. Oh, okay. I wouldn't it's know. the worst ever. I don't know how women pay for this. I was thinking about on my lip. I don't have an upper lip, so. Well, you're going to need injections <laughs> like, you know, fat injections for that. That's oh. like some Kardashian stuff. It's not the same stuff? Not the same thing. Okay, my bad. So I, I got Botox at 36. To, and what that does is it paralyzes the, the lacrimal gland, the, the salivary gland, oh. so that it won't produce saliva on that side of your mouth. And it allowed that that wound to heal because all my wounds basically we had to pack so they heal from the inside out because if they heal from the top they will they will get infected yeah it's it's inevitable it's gonna yeah. happen. it looks like it's healing the outside but inside it's yes going it, to town yeah it's going crazy yeah so um about 10 months later i was finally able to go have surgery to have it surgically repaired okay but Dang. that was probably the longest that was probably the wound that took the longest. How many surgeries did you have? Do you remember? Oh, man. I, I had so many before I even woke up that oh, it's insane. Yeah. Um, I've had four that I know of that I remember. Mm-hmm. And I've probably had three prior to that, three or four prior to that that I don't remember. Okay. While I was, you know, in that medically induced coma. Dang. All right. So this show is about the relationship with the citizens you get shot everybody knows about it especially with the people you work with the medical staff i'm sure was great yeah i mean jps everybody knows they're great what was the citizen outreach like it was it was crazy um they did a a t-shirt fundraiser Mm -hmm. for me um i got one yeah (laughs) a lot of people do i still see him to this day yeah i actually found one on sale at at goodwill the other day hey yeah so um Raised a ton of money through selling these Team Pier shirts, which I, I was, when they were doing it, I was still kind of in left field. Just the, the sheer amount of drugs they had me on mm-hmm. to keep me from hurting myself at the time, unknowingly, um, were just insane. Yeah. So it took me a while to kind of come out of that fog. I, you know, I had, I had real bad hallucinations. I mean, it was crazy. Really? It was bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh, if you asked me at, at any given point, I was in like seven different states and I had like 10 different hotel, you know, hospital rooms. And, All from the, the drugs? Oh, yeah. Wow. Horrible. Hor- it's what they call ICU psychosis. Okay. Because you don't know what's day and what's night. All right. I never heard of that. Yeah. And it, it's it's legit. I yeah. asked my wife at one point, I thought there was a rat on the ceiling. Come to find out it was just a sprinkler head. Okay. So, I mean, if that gives you any idea how, how, how bad it was. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, it was it was odd. I remember I remember the first things I said to Brandy when she showed up. The first I remember the first time I remember her coming to see me, and I think that was the kind of relief at that point because people knew I was going to be okay. That I didn't suffer any sort of you know neurological damage, mm-hmm. no brain damage, nothing like that. Um, I remember she showed up and I had just been I had just had the uh, tube pulled out of my throat. Oh. It just extubated me. Well, the problem with a with a breathing tube is it really does quite a bit of damage to your vocal cords. So my voice was really raspy and, and, and real quiet because I couldn't hardly talk. Mm-hmm. And she I remember her showing up and she said, she's, she told me who she was because I, I was having problem recognizing people for a while. 
And uh, she said, hey, it's, it's Brandy. And I go, I looked at her and I go, I'll never forget this. Because she makes so it's such a big deal about it. She goes, I go, you lied to me. You said you'd meet me here. And because she didn't, she never did. She couldn't get in. Oh. And that's a hot butt for her. Okay. Because she shows up with my blood all over her, her pants and all over her shirt. And she goes to come back there to see me and they won't let her come back. But the chief at the time walks up and they're like, oh, chief, would you like to come through? She lost her mind. Oh my God. Yeah. You'll yeah. have to ask her about it sometime. She didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Clearly she That's, didn't. She yeah. didn't want to be there. She didn't want to. So, yeah. Luckily, we had a, you know, we had a teammate there that took her back out to the scene and she helped with the recovery of this, you know, bad guy number two. Okay. But, you know, um, the, the I got recognized everywhere, literally everywhere I went. My wife and I would get stopped. I remember one time we were at Sam's down in Burleson because we used to live in Burleson. Mm-hmm. And, we got stopped like no less than six times in there just trying to shop. Dang. And I was like, this is weird. This is yeah. so weird. Cause that's not my personality. Yeah. That's not what I want my life to be. Yeah. You know, I'm that kind of guy that if there's an event going on, I want to be able to like sneak in the back door, yep. watch a little bit of it and disappear. And no one is the wiser. I was there. Yeah. I'm not missed, but we couldn't go anywhere. Could, literally could not leave our house without getting recognized somewhere. How long was it? Before you started doing the the, the tours, actually, the way I just called it tour. Well, that's a good question. Um, I want to. It, it probably didn't. We probably didn't start doing it really until almost I was back to full duty. Okay. There was a couple of stuff I remember doing on light duty. Because you had a goal of when you wanted to be back. I remember that. I did, and it was a horrible goal. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was so stupid. I, I thought remember. it was not. But I didn't understand the extent of the damage. Nor did I. Yeah. Um, so my goal was a year. Yeah. I was like, I can be back in a year, no problems. Easy. Easy piece of cake. Yeah. Came back at like nine months. Horrible. I mean, came back to light duty at nine months. Yep. No, it was seven months because I remember after your first six months, they're like, okay, you've been on, you know, you've been on no days for six months. We got to, you know, and I, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was awful. Um, I think, I really think that that was stupidity on my part. It set me back probably six to seven months in recovery, I think. Ooh. Was because. That a, was that a pride thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It absolutely was. Because I wanted to be back. I wanted to be back at work. I wanted my life to go back to normal. Yeah. Even though it never it never has and it never will. Yeah. Um, all I wanted to do was go back to work. That's all I wanted. I was tired of sitting at home. I was tired of the hours and hours of grueling therapy. I just wanted my life to go back to normal. I was tired of walking with a, you know, with a walker. I was tired of walking with a cane. You know, I've never been a runner, but I've never been, I've never wanted to run so bad in my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's how serious this is. Yeah. So, you know, but the support was, the support was nice. The support was kind of, I think what drove me to come back. Cause I think at any point I could have walked away and no one would have said a word to me, Mm -hmm. not a word, but my desire to help, others outweighs my want to sit on my butt and, you know, have a cush retirement for the rest of my career. Right. Um, I wanted to come back plain and simple, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 12 and a half years into a, you know, 25 year. I'm half, I'm literally at the halfway point right mm-hmm. now. And part of me is like, man, that 12 years, the 12 and a half years went like quick. And then I run it. I'm like, God dang, but the last five years have been hell on wheels, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So it, it, there's a give and take there. Okay. But I I wanted to come back for the community because the community was there for me. Good. Sweet. 
It's cliche, but it's true. You're a huggable guy. Yeah. You know, so. So supposedly. <laughs> Don't tell everybody that, please. Right. All right. So you come back, and I know you you talk to a lot of rookies. You talk to, you know, but there's a lot of other rookies out there. What advice do you have? Never quit. It's simple. I, I could have very easily taken the victim mentality in this whole thing. I could have said, well, screw it, I'm done, you know, and not fought as hard as I did. Um, I could have taken a medical retirement and not come back and been like, yeah, no, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. And, you know, we'll live just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, in my mind, that was losing to the bad guy. And I'll be damned if I'm going to lose to that asshole. Yeah. I'm not, it won't happen. Good. That really was my driving force is look, yeah, I'm, I'm jacked up but I refuse to lose to that guy. Yeah. And that was my driving force to come back. That's my driving force. So to say, look, I don't care how bad it is. You don't quit. You don't get to quit until your body just can't do it anymore. Um, there's a, there's a guy, um, who was a Florida sheriff's deputy in one of the counties in Florida. And I can't remember which one it is, but he, he makes the comment of if I would have died that day, I never would have known the difference because I was going to fight to my last breath. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt. Look, mm-hmm. even if I die today, I won't know the difference because I'm going to die fighting. Good. And, you know, and, and I, and I kind of tell that to a lot of rookies because I remember coming through the, you know, the hiring process and it's intimidating as crap. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, Corporal Bruno at the time saying, look, to quit would be disrespectful to everybody that wants to be where you're at. And don't disrespect them. Mm-hmm. You know, if they fire you, you can't do it. Okay, fine, great. But do not be a quitter. Yeah. You know, there, I, there's certain things I can handle. A quitter is not one of them. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, um, I obviously, as soon as you were available, because I was teaching at the academy at the time, had you down, you were talking to my guys, my re- recruits, and the, the impact as soon as you, you know, because they, they hold it together while you're there. And then as soon as you leave, it's like, it was, I, a, it was a wake up call. I often wonder what they think when I walk yeah. out. Are they like, are like, is this guy for real? Yeah. You know, most of the time it's a, uh, I have to give them a break, and then I have to give them. I don't have to, but I gave them time to sit and just process, talk to almost each other. like a debrief. Yeah, just to let them figure it out. Yeah, and I can't say for certain, but it did. People quit not too long after, inevitably. And whether it was because, you know, they, they didn't, wouldn't come out and say. Because they didn't want that to be their life? It, yeah. like They, they, they just ha- didn't have the commitment to it. They had the idea. Everything sounded good. And the the romance of, of being the heroes there until they meet the hero. And they realize the struggle after yeah, gonna You're going to take your lumps. Yeah. So, and I try to tell everybody, like, no one wins in a fight. And no one. No. Um, so, it, in your case, you'd. You you won, but I won, but you, I got my ass whipped. Yeah. So so mentally, we, we talked about the physical part. Mentally. We'll start with you. Where were you at mentally when you started you, you were recovered? Was there was there a I don't want to use the word gun shyness, but was there a gun shyness coming back? No. Um I I kind of played it slow. Um mm-hmm. because I got out of I got out of the hospital setting in like late May 
That's not true. Mid-May. And, of course, 4th of July is right around the corner. And I wasn't sure how I was going to react because I had been at home the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going anywhere. Obviously, I wasn't at work. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to react. So I remember that first 4th of July, I told my wife, look, Ooh, sorry, it's been a long day. Uh, um, he came from work. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to go into the bedroom. I'm going to put some earplugs in. I'm going to take like half a bottle of NyQuil, and I'm just going to go to bed. Cause I don't know how I'm going to react. And my anxiety was super high at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to take it easy. And I did, um, didn't have any issues that I re- recall. Um, and then started kind of working my way back in towards, um, going back to work. And I remember my, my wife and I, and my, my brother and sister-in-law, we were at a movie one night and a, a shootout scene started and I remember sitting there and my heart just started to pound and it, it happened so fast that I didn't realize what was going on. Like, why is my heart doing this? And then I wrote, Oh, well they're having a, it's a shootout scene. That's why my, that's why I'm doing that. Yeah. So you subconsciously, subconsciously I was just, I was freaking out, but I was like, it's not that it's, it's really not that big of a deal. My body just started doing stuff before I realized what it was doing. Okay. But once I realized what I was doing, I was like, okay, knock it off. This it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And I was fine. So, no, to say, you know, I was going to go gun shy. No, I never was so much that. Um, I do remember coming back, and one of the first calls I had was a guy walking down the center median of the freeway, and I pulled up on him, and he wouldn't take his hands out of his pockets, and I felt my heart rate go through the roof. Um, and, you know, that fear kind of creeps back in. Oh, God, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing ever happened with it. He took his hands out of his pockets. It was fine. But um, I caught I caught myself being more hyper aware of certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, no. I, mentally, I think I was okay. I never had nightmares about my shooting. I never had never. I never feel like I lost, lost sleep because of my shooting. Mm-hmm. I lost sleep mainly because you know it. There's still a lot of residual pain from all this stuff. But not due to mental issues. I think the the really the only thing I really struggled with was anger. Okay. I was angry. And I came back to work and it kind of manifested at work. And then I got mandated to go to counseling, which I'm okay with. I mean, I, I wasn't upset about it. Yeah. So I got pulled into the, the my supervisor's office and he basically said, look, he said, I want you to go to seek counseling. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And if you don't do that, you can't come back to work. I'm going to deem you incompetent, you know, unfit for duty. Yeah. So I was like, okay, no problem. I'm cool with that. What's the mm-hmm. worst that could happen, you know? Yeah. So, and I think that really surprised them. I think they expected me to get angry, have a lot of pushback <laughs> yeah. towards that of like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need it. I don't need it. Yeah. This is, this is ridiculous. That's, you know, cause there's a lot of stigma that goes along along with that. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, no problem. And I went and did it and, and I, I think I learned a little bit about myself and kind of the, the nature of which I am. I don't, and I'm sure it did help me to, to a point that I don't recognize today. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's still anger with, there's still anger about this, you know, this butthead shooting me. Mm-hmm. But I always tell everybody a lot of that anger was the fact that it was unfinished. There was unfinished business at that time because bad guy number two hadn't gone to court yet. Ah, there was still a looming trial. And I didn't realize the impact that that, lo- that trial hanging over my head had on me mentally. 
Because once that trial was over, it felt like a dump truck was lifted off my back. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh. and, and I didn't recognize that. But the day it was over, the day he got sentenced, and I was like, I feel like I can breathe again. Yeah. Like, I, I don't feel angry about it anymore. Yeah, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but it's over. Mm-hmm. It is over at this point. So looking at that as an outside person, part of me thinks, what is your hang up with that kid, that guy? Versus the guy that did the actual deed. I think I just, I wanted him to be held accountable for what his dad did. Because okay. this is the son of the guy that. Yes. Um, the letter of the law states that he's just as criminally liable as the guy that shot him. Yeah. The courts wouldn't take it. Some things were done that were just a little bit out of characteristic for even the, you know, the DA's office. Mm-hmm. Because they were adamant about it. But it just, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Gotcha. And I don't really care about that so much. It's just the unfinished business, I think, really had an, it, it was an unconscious effect on me mm-hmm. that I didn't even recognize. Okay. Because once it was done, I was like, well, you know, yeah, I'm still pissed off it happened. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. But I'm not angry to the point where it's like affecting my work. Okay. Or affecting my, even my home life. Yeah. So where are you at now with, with the way you feel towards the son of bad guy he'll get his yeah so was he was he because i don't know much about him i only knew about the dude that shot you but him was he wanted as well he was not he was not wanted at the time no okay um the apple didn't fall too far from the tree gotcha he idolized his dad yeah and his dad was probably the baddest individual i've ever come in contact with in 12 and a half years of doing you know work in the streets yeah and we come into contact with some pretty bad dudes yeah so He'll get his. He'll mess with the wrong dude someday, and he'll he'll get his justice. I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. He's not. He doesn't affect me anymore. Okay, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. So he doesn't right. affect me anymore. What gotcha. he he's got his life, and he you know I'm sure it's not great because he didn't have a good home life, and I, you know I kind of feel bad for him in an aspect. But look, you're you're 20 years old. You know you're an adult. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get your crap together. At least don't do violent things. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't run away with guns and say, oh, I was so scared. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get you. Scared people run. Okay, I'll get that. But they don't take guns with them. <laughs> yes. I'll so, give you that. All right. So uh, mentally, um, I see how it, how it worked out for you. Uh, the anger thing, totally understandable. And just the fact that you were willing to go get the help uh, says a lot. Uh, I think you did that. Because part of me knows that you trust the people you work with. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they're, I know right now, like if my boss was like, I think you need to take a day off, I would take the day off. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to. Well, they can see things that you can't see. Right. Cause no one, you can't self reflect to the point where you realize everything you're doing wrong. Yes. It's even on days where you're like, you know, you're, you know, when, when I get really, really tired, I get really quiet, which is, the exact opposite of what I do. Yeah. So people are like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. I'm nothing. I'm just, I'm just tired. Yeah. You know, mine's, mine's hungry. Yeah. Okay. If you get hangry, I get hangry. Okay. It, if I mention, I think I'm starting to get hungry. Like even my wife, she's like, we got to get some food. So you're a woman. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you got to get food fast. Because Brandy's the same way. My wife's the same. Yeah. I was, Brandy's like my work wife. Yeah. I leave my house to, so that my wife and I have a a great relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I have to go deal with Brandy at work. 
So I really never get away. Well, thank God she retired. Exactly. She's retired now. so weird to say. Yeah. Retired. I mean, she looks. That's why I call her every day. She looks old enough to retire? I call her the quitter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not wrong. And I remind her every day, hey, you quit on me. You're not. Oh, dang. You didn't make it and you quit on me. Yeah. You didn't even try. So, uh, so she she made a comment of, well, when I, when I graduate from PA school, you better be there. I told her, I don't know, I might be busy that day. Of course, uh, my wife let me have it. Yeah, she's like, we will be there, and he will be sitting next to me. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, she's such a pain. Because her ass. and my wife, they gang up on me. Yeah, constantly. Okay, like we'll be out doing something, and Brandy will go, "I'm calling your wife, and we're going to find out what the real answer is." See, that's bullshit. So what she will, she'll call up my wife, Laura. Matt's not doing this, or Matt's not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get, then my phone blows up. Yeah. Oh, she tried threatening to call my dad before. I was like, yeah, I know your mom's number. She goes, all right, I don't want to play. I was yeah, like, that's exactly. what I thought. Yeah. It's like, well, and I could call her mom too, but I'm like, well, you know what? Yeah. Well, our relationship is different. You guys grew up around each other where I didn't. Uh, well, I, so, so her mom was my first lieutenant. Is that how it was? So yeah. So her mom was lieutenant in the academy when I got hired. I thought you guys were friends. No, we didn't know each other. Or in high the school. Media, so that's funny you mentioned that. Is the media made it out to be like Brandy and I were like childhood friends. Uh, like we just grew up together in the same city and we did this. And we, we didn't know each other until we became cops. Until I became a cop. because she's, she's been doing it longer than I have. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because she brought this up yesterday that the media would clip things and make it look like Brandy was the sole angel that just came yes. down picked you up like no came, one else was there it was yeah. just brandy that did it and that they clipped things and and they'd make it seem like you said something else and all that crap so that's why i've always hated dealing with the media because i will never forget my first media encounter um it was at the hospital and i was you know i was a rookie 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 like maybe eight months on the job so we're scared of our own shadows at that point still yeah. and uh i remember having to go and sit on somebody at the hospital and it was not literally not literally sit not, but like i had to guard them <laughs> yeah and so i remember the media basically ambushing me outside the the parking of the main facility where we were going and asking me questions it was right after carrie gober got hit head on by the by that guy that was running from us okay so he they're oh are you here to guard the you're here to guard the officer and blah 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 how's the officer doing and we know we're not allowed to talk to the media we are not allowed to talk to the media about anything. That's sergeant and PIO and whoever else has, you know, been designated to do that. Right. So I'm going, I'm like, look, I'm going to appease them. I'm going to give them nothing and I'm going to move along. So I basically give them the, well, you know, it, you know, it, even if it, they ask me, well, do you know that officer? Well, you know, even if I, you know, even if I didn't know the officer, it wouldn't change my, you know, we're all the same team, but you know, I gave them a bunch of fluff. Well, they hacked that thing up and made me look like a fool. <laughs> I was so pissed. I called the sergeant. I was like, Sergeant, they freaking ambushed me. I didn't say give them any details because that was my first encounter. I didn't know what they were, you know, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. Right. Looking back on it now, I was like, really, you didn't, have, you didn't tell them anything. So who the hell cares, you know? Yeah. But I was scared. You know, I was scared at the time and they did. They made me look stupid. Oh, see, that's another reason for this show. Yeah. And so I don't edit anything unless it's like you said something that you didn't want to be. And I haven't had to do that with any guests yeah. yet. So I've had nothing I've had to edit out. Yeah, and and it and it depends on what your role is. So mm-hmm. the media was real good to me through my injury. I did a lot of, you know, 
going to different news agencies and, and talking to them, especially on the one year anniversary and, and with the releasing of the video and all the body camera footage and yeah. dash camera footage and all that stuff. So they were, they were good to me about that. And I haven't had a really a problem with them since, but I still don't trust the media as far as I can throw them. Right. You know, I'm still very careful around them. Do I count as a media now? No. I was wondering that. Like, no. do, I, do I count? No, that, no, not at all. Okay. I didn't think so. Cause we can cuss here. That's true. And we can drink. And we can drink. You can't yeah. do that. You can't do that. No, we're just hanging out. Yeah. There just happens to be mics and cameras in here. Whatever. Cool That's with all it. it is. So. No. I, I Brandon and I always talk about this. So we, we talk about how there are a few things that we will never not mention when we talk about my shooting. Is the fact that she was not the sole rescuer. Mm-hmm. That it was, there had to have been 350 officers out there at the time. It was a four and a half hour long mission. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't just do that. And not everyone's getting the credit that I think they deserve. Yeah. That this wasn't a coincidence that all this stuff happened that, you know, one millimeter off didn't go through my head. Brandy's at work and she's not supposed to be at work. And care flight just happens to be out in the area. You know, yeah, those aren't just coincidences. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a spiritual aspect to it, you know, that I think God had a a hand in all this because there's no explanation of when I show up at the hospital and they give me a 10% chance to live that I live. Yeah. Especially with all the setbacks we had through surgeries, the mud and you know, you you couldn't even even get out of there. Even in the hospital, man, I, I, at one point I I got into a coughing fit and blew sutures open and, you know, had my ab, you know, my abdomen was split wide open. Oh yeah. It was like a scene from like, you know how in, I'll relate to you. You know how in Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> we're on the when they're on the frozen planet, uh-huh. and the two legged thing. That they, I, mind you, I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Uh, yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. He takes the lightsaber and splits the stomach open of that yeah. animal, and, and that's how inside. he he hides yeah. inside for warmth. Yeah, when he slits him open, that's how I looked. Oh, yeah, gnarly. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> were you like, hey, oh yeah. Oh, you could see it. Laura, my wife was in there when it happened. Oh. You know, she's a nurse, so she's used to this kind of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't surprise her. But when it's somebody you know. And and, and eventually your wife's going to get there. I know. God. <laughs> and you talk about teaming up. Now Brandy and my wife are Oh, yeah. See, it doesn't. Up. It, yeah. yeah. It never it never quits. Yeah. Just like, be aware. Like talking about gaining weight while you're in well, and, and it, all that. And it uh, doesn't help that that Brandy's mom and your dad are such good friends too right. because they they worked together for so long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that never helps. Yeah. Surrounded by it. Yeah. And I, I was told her, I was like, I tried to, you know, I, you know how she is. I called her. I let, or I, I shouldn't say I called. I text her and left text messages like, Hey, I want to get you on the show. She's the worst about answering her phone. I was like, and she's, there's like no answer. I'm like, huh? All right. Well, I know she was going through her quitting phase and yes. all that stuff. So Twitter. I, I was assuming that that, that was part of it, and I knew she was leaving and all that stuff, so I was like, all right, I'll give her time. Send another message. Hey, and then I'm sending gifts like, like, are you ignoring me or, like, yeah. checking my watch, <laughs> stuff like that. And finally, I just said, she doesn't like me anymore. I'm done. So, and then she finally, not only does she, she goes back and she starts at text one, and she's answering all the <laughs> questions. Uh, that sounds for, about right yeah. for her. And she's like, I'm so sorry. God. She's horrible about that stuff. I know. You know, I'll, I'll give it to her. She's busy. You know, single mom. I get it. It's it's not easy. However, come on. Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to be like a social media face 
That's person. Right, so how are you going to be internet famous and not be able to answer a text message? Yeah. Especially from us. Yeah, I mean, really you're, cool. you're super important. You're like part of humanizing the badge, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm not, but she no, is. No, she is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are you? No. Okay. I don't want that. I was wondering if you were. That, like I said, that's not my life. I got you. I, I like all those guys. You mm-hmm. know, I, I like Mike the Cop and Officer Daniels and um, uh, Hook them and Book them. And I, I love those guys. They're great. They're funny. They're fun to be around. Yeah. But that's not that's not for me. Yeah, you're not fun to be around. I... <laughs> I'm more of a behind. I, I like the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, that, that's more my thing. I hear you. So oh, that's cool. I don't. I don't like. I really don't like the spotlight. I know it doesn't seem like that, but I don't like it. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. Understandable. So from this, um, is there anything for the other departments that you would? It, it, obviously, tech med is worth its weight in gold, but not everybody can. Yeah, you can. Not everyone can afford that. Can afford it. We're expensive. Yeah. So. What would you suggest to other departments that? So it, it it takes to do this job, and especially I think to do this job in a smaller department, it takes some initiative on those officers. Um, they have to want to go out and get better, and that's been spending your own money. Um, unfortunately, going and buying your own medical gear, kind of taking classes that, thinking more outside the box. I think. Mm-hmm you have to be able to kind of look outside the box and go, okay, this could probably benefit me. I'll go do this, even though the department won't pay for it. Yeah. You know, because even we do a lot of that. There's, there's a lot a, of classes that we take that the yeah. department won't pay for that we just pay out of our pocket. And there's a lot of grants out there that people can apply for, like the officers can apply for. They just don't know the outlets to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I think that education would be You have to think outside valuable. the box. If, if the department says no, find a way to make it happen. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't mean you mortgage your home off for it, but find a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Make you you, you got to want to make yourself better because no one's going to push you to be better. Right. And I I try to show people that it's not a job, it, it's a career, but it's not just a it, it's we're we're on that cusp of, of blue collar slash white collar mm-hmm. because we do more schooling than most people know about. You're right. Yeah, the wife. Okay. It's, oh, it's the wife. Her ears were ringing. Yeah, she must have had her. No, her comment is, is do you know what the Disney Plus password is? Oh, jeez. Come on, really? <laughs> Tell her you get a password app like everybody else. Exactly. Hold on. Let me let me respond to her because okay. we all know how wives are. Yeah, that's no problem. Uh, I'll just keep talking about the fact that Brandy, I think your podcast is better than hers. It should be better than hers. I think it is because you're, you're able to... To bring the attention to, to things that matter a little bit better than Brandy. She just likes to talk about her. <laughs> like, me, me, me. Yeah. We like to make fun of her. Because my of her. eyelashes, my Clydesdale. Oh, yeah. I, no. I, I do love giving her giving her. Time we talked eyelashes. about Hallie's heroes. We talked about humanizing the bad. She didn't, she didn't so do that. So that, it's funny you mentioned that because that, that's always something that she wanted to do. That, you know, the, 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 the awareness and. I'm all for that, and I will absolutely want always support it. But I want to do the, I want to do, the, I want to play the support role. Mm-hmm. The the you know the 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 guy you know, you go to a concert. The the sound techs and the light techs they don't ever get the credit for the concert, but it wouldn't right. go on without them. Yeah, you know. So that's the kind of the role that I like. I hear you. Um, so you've got twelve and a half years. You're in. You're in the TAC med. What's uh What's the future looking like, man? I'm actually on the promotions list. <gasps> You're going to be a detective? I'm trying to. Are you going to get, like, where you at on the list? Um, I 
before, so I know they're doing, I think they're doing more promotions on the third. So mm-hmm. today's what? The 30th? June 30th. Today's June 30th. Is it? Okay. They're doing more promotions on the third. I think they're going to, they may get to 30, which will put me at number 22. Okay. So I was number 53 overall. And then after the first round of promotions, I should be right at about 22. All right. Left. So I need 22 more people to. Re- so if you're listening to this and you're of the corporal level or above in our department and you really want to retire, I could really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we do have quite a few people. There, there really are. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to says, seems to think that it, I'm going to be okay. Okay. Um, which I didn't believe it at first, but now that I'm kind of looking at things, how things are going, I'm going, hey, you know what? It's looking better and better every day. Mm hmm. Um, but if, if, if it doesn't happen, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'll take the test again. Still in a sweet unit. Yeah. I mean, I've got a great yeah. job. Yeah. I have no complaints about my job whatsoever. I I'm, I'm one of those guys though, that I kind of hit that five year mark and I feel like I need to go do something else. Cause right. I want to be as well-rounded as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've kicked around the idea of going to motors, kicked it around. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm on the promotions list, so. Okay. Um, didn't want to go to the unit just to leave. Well, I, I don't want to do that to them. You're right. They, they don't deserve that. Um, I, it's something I always wanted to do before even TACMED existed. Ironically enough, that's what I was doing the day I got shot. Really? So packets for motors were due March 20th of 2016. I got shot March 15th of 2016. Should have still put your packet in. Well, I had just gotten back my performance evals, and the next day I was supposed to go put my packet in. Okay. I missed the deadline, needless to say. Well, that's not fair. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I said, but I they, didn't, they didn't buy it. You should grieve it. Go back. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grieve it back to 2016. <laughs> that's gonna, that'll go over like yeah. a fart in church. Okay, so you're on the promotions list. If, do you have a um, a detective role you want to do? No. Nothing I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't care at this point. Okay. I'd obviously, I do want to go work a CID. Mainly because I want to learn how to file cases mm-hmm. and, and do that. Um, I will tell you. I've always said that I, I don't want to work behind a desk. Mm-hmm. I've always said that. But it, it's as fast as my body's breaking down now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's inevitable and I need to. Um, I, I'm not opposed to being a field corporal. I just know there's not nearly as many positions for that as there are yeah. working, a, you know, working cases. I got gotcha. you. Um, I, my suggestion or one thing I'll tell you is when you get there, it's overwhelming for the first three months. Oh, I mean, it's, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. It's not overwhelming. Like it was overwhelming when you first got, you know, in a patrol car. So you're telling me I'm going to go home every day with headaches. Like it, I did when I was in my first year. It's it, I guess it depends on your motivators and your, it, you, I don't want to say your work ethic. Like I get stressed out. If I know I'm leaving work on the table and you have to get comfortable with everyone that. always tells me it's about time management. It, it, it is. It's triaging in, yes. a, in a different way. So for me, the stressful part is I don't like leaving things unfinished and I'm obsessive when I do things, obviously. Yes, clearly. Um, so I know that about myself and I didn't consider that going into the detective office. So I'm in there and I'm I I maxed out my comp time real fast. Good. I need a little help with there with that aspect of my life because I, you know, I was using I don't want to say I was using an excuse, but I'm talking to my sergeant. I'm like, look, 
I'm trying to learn. I want to be in the rotation fast. Yeah. And it, the more reps I get, the better I get. Careful what you wish for. And yeah. And so, you know, Sarge at the time was like, okay, I can, I can justify your comp time by the fact that you're training. And man, I trained with Brennan. So Jake had me like a machine. Yeah. And it was great. But just be prepared like that. Well, and as short staff to CIDs are right now, that I don't yeah. think there's an issue coming in. And the problem is, and, and this could go into being a whole new episode, but one of the problems that you'll see is back in the day, a lot of these supervisors, the supervisors now, there weren't as many leads available back when they were detectives. Oh, absolutely. But technology has changed. But now, greatly. due to technology, there are so many leads. How many times when we were patrol officers did we develop a lead, find a suspect, get a picture and a name through Facebook. When we were out there? Yeah. Why did it all the time? It it went to back, it went back to even when I was on Lone Gang back in like 2010, 2011. I mean, we'd, we'd, I don't worry about all the secrets, but you make fake, you make fake Facebook files, put a hot chick on it and the bad guys instantly friend you. Yeah, you're right. Because I remember Spencer and Graham, those guys, we were, we were bouncing those ideas off of each other and how to do it, and we got on Trello and we were yeah. had our beat book off of Trello and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, that's where we found waffles, and if you remember that guy yeah, <laughs> with Madursky, yes, I remember waffles. It's <laughs> uh, great stuff. So, all right. Well, what else is in the works for you, Bub? Nothing, man. I just I'm trying to promote and get off the streets. Okay. The time has come. Yeah, I need to hang up my my boots and. Probably hang them in for a pair of loafers. Well, I highly recommend you volunteer for the east side. It's I at this point I don't care where I go. Yeah. I mean uh, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. I, I just think it's fun. Um if you want to have the the option of doing a little bit of both field and uh detective work, um I think the property crimes corporal spot is a hidden gem. I think so too. I've got a I've got a buddy of mine that works for Ulysses PD mm-hmm. that does kind of the same thing. Yeah. And he loves it. Yeah, because you, it just it, you can get as involved in the field stuff as you want, and that's the beauty of it. And you you can be in a marked unit, you can be in a UC, you can you can sit back and leave. Do you wear the patrol uniform? That's all I want to know. Nope. Thank God. No, sir. I don't ever want to go back to a <laughs> patrol uniform. I do not. I don't even like wearing the patrol uniform on my part time. So. I wear some uh, some five eleven like battle brown pants yeah. and the. A t-shirt. That's the best part of my unit is I get to wear basically a, t- a t-shirt in the summertime and a tack shirt in the wintertime, and I get to wear, you know, tack pants. Yeah. Now, you can't have a beard, but I heard that's a sore subject for a lot of people, so I won't. It doesn't I don't care. Me. If I grow a beard, I look part like Santa Claus anyway. So. Yeah, yours is real white. I yeah. remember. Yeah. I mean, I I look like, as I get, I mean, even now, I guess, I could get yeah. awesome, sweet part-time in the, around the holidays as a Santa Claus. Uh Hey, oh, so I heard they make good money. They do. It just depends on how authentic you look, you know. Well, I got the I got the belly and the, the beard. I mean, I'm I'm pretty authentic. <laughs> okay. You got to have an authentic suit though, too. Those oh, that's are expensive. A piece of cake. Yeah, piece of cake. Okay. Let's see it. Don't just talk shit. <laughs> well, let's see. I got to shave every day now, so that that's not plausible at this well, point. Hey, get a waiver. Maybe your religion. Don't, don't don't get me started on the waivers. <laughs> that's a whole nother. Yep, that's a My whole nother bear, box My of worms. Um, oh, okay, there's two things that I forgot that I wanted to bring up. We're gonna kind of circle back. Sorry, 
your wife and your family, what was, and you're going to be speaking for them, but what was the whole, the whole ordeal like for them? What can we, what can we learn from them as far as, you know, how was work? Did, did, was there a lot of time that had to be taken off? Did the department help take care of them? Was your friends and family, uh, you know, outside family helping? Yeah. The biggest, I think one of the biggest uh, complications was childcare at the time. Okay. Because How old were your kids? Uh, let's see. One was a little over three, and one was about 18 months at the oh. time. Oh. So I had young ones. Really young. Okay. So the, the church where my oldest was going to for Mother's Day out, you know, two days a week just to get some socialization, they actually picked her up um, three days a week and didn't charge us for it. Oh, nice. So that helped out a lot with some of the during-the-day child care. Um, cause my mom and my, and my wife were alternating staying up at the hospital with me Okay, because they weren't sure when I was going to wake up and they wanted someone there when I woke up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- or in case something crazy happened, like when my wife was there and I, you know, Coughed. blew my guts out basically. Yeah. Um, that was probably the, the hardest part. And of course, you know, luckily for me, my, my sister didn't, didn't work at the time. So we had some built-in childcare, but we had to rely on friends quite a bit for help with childcare, even in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, you know, my mom's a school teacher or was a school teacher at the time. My mother-in-law works for the school district, so the summers were wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, my mom would have taken the rest of the year off. Really? Yeah, my mom ended up taking the rest of the year off to be home. Wow. Um, to help with the kids and to help with me, and you know, because for the longest time I couldn't drive because my right leg was broken, and mm-hmm. that's kind of. That's where the gas pedal is. Yeah. Um, so we relied heavily on friends. You know, the department was great. Laura had to take off. You know, she used all her FMLA up, and then she, you know, went on a bereavement, not bereavement, but extended time off where they didn't have to hold her position. But Cooks is such a good company, you know, a good hospital, that her boss basically told her, look, you'll have a job when you come back. Don't worry about that. Come okay. back when you need to. That's great. But she had to go on unpaid time off. Okay. So, you know, we tapped that out. But luckily, through all the fundraisers and stuff, we were able to continue to pay the bills. A, I was still getting a check, even mm-hmm. though Laura wasn't. But that was that helped supplement paying the bills while Laura was off taking care of me. Okay. She was basically like a built-in home nurse for me. Yeah. You know, because that's yeah. what she does. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't even think about yeah. that. So, and, and, you know, for the, for the longest time... I had wound, you know, wound changes, you know, I had to change the the bandaging on my wounds and everything, but I, for, for some reason, I didn't want anyone else doing it. I just wanted her doing it, okay. which is good and bad all at the same time. I was going to ask, and, it, and if it's getting too personal and you don't want to share it, that's fine, but relationship-wise, did it cause a strain? Was it? Um, I don't know. I really think, I, I've never asked her that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I've never really so had right, a conversation with her. You didn't have a perception of that. I didn't feel... I felt bad that I felt like I felt bad because she had to basically wait on me hand and foot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I first got home, I couldn't get out of the bed by myself. I couldn't go. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. You know, yeah. my wife's having to wipe my butt, basically, literally wipe my butt yeah. because I can't do it because of my broken leg. Um, I can't take a shower by myself. I can't do anything by myself. Yeah. I can transfer from, you know, a, a recliner to the wheelchair, but the wheelchair, I can't get through the house. You know, it was, it, it, so I used my walker quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yes, I'm sure she was stressed out and and drained from it because it was a lot of work. Right. You know, now she's taking care of three children instead of just two. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see my kids at all for the entire time I was in the hospital. I didn't want them you to see You don't want to see, see you that like way. that? Yeah. Um, I specifically, I remember Laura asking, she's like, you know, we can bring the, you know, the, the, the girls aren't supposed to be up here, but... They said we could bring Madison, who's my oldest, up. And I said, no, I don't want her up here. I don't want her to have a mental image when she's that young of me with all these tubes and, yeah, you know, just looking horrible. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, so they, they would they would FaceTime periodically so that they, they could still see me, but they weren't there. It wasn't it didn't impact them as much. Yeah, the same way. Um, I remember when I was in rehab. So I missed my daughter's birthday because I was in a coma. Um, I'm an excuse. Yeah, I missed her fourth birthday because <laughs> of that. And when I was in rehab at the rehab facility, that was the first time they were allowed to come see me because I wasn't hooked up to anything. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, yeah, I was staying there, but I, I didn't have tubes and, you know, yeah. monitors. And I was, just, I was in a wheelchair and it was just me. Right. And they understood, yeah, that I broke my leg and that, you know, the bad guy hurt me. And, you know, but we kept it very minimal. Okay. Now I get questions to this day um, of things that I never expected them to to un, to know about. Oh, from the kids. Yeah, from the kids. Oh, my my then eighteen month old asks me questions all the time that I can. I'm shocked she even knows anything about. But it just goes to show you don't really know what they're paying attention to and and what they're not because she asked me questions. I'm like, where did you learn? How did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. And she overhears the two conversations that Laura and I are having. Yeah. So perceptible of shits, aren't they? They are, man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy what they can, you know, at 18 months, I was like, oh, she'll never remember, remember this. It, yeah. she'll ne- no, she, she asked me all the time, oh, dad, the bad guy hurt you, didn't he? Yeah, the, the bad guy hurt. And, and I keep it very elementary with her, mm-hmm. very elementary. So now when we talk about it now, they had, you know, dad, or, dad, you remember when you got shot? Yeah, I remember when I got shot. So they know that I got shot. They know I got hurt at work. Mm-hmm. But we, because they see me, they were seeing me on the news all the time. Mm. You know, and you, we couldn't stop that. Um, so they know, they know the basics of what happened. Okay. They don't know how close I was to death, but yeah, they know the basics. It's a story for later. Yeah. I'll, I'll discuss them with that when I think they can, they're old enough to, com- you know, compute that. Yeah. I get you. You just, at a certain point you're like, there's no way they can ever. I just, I, and the reason I ask is I, I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to be some, I want people to learn from it and, and know what to expect if they ever have to go through that. Oh yeah. It's going to put stress on it. I mean, and, and, and it, I don't know how it couldn't. Yeah. Because you're not, you know, you, you're basically, your life has been changed into a one eighty. Mm-hmm. You know, you go from complete independence to completely dependable. And I think you got, I'm not gonna say you got lucky blessed. is probably the right word that your wife is in the field that she's in. I think that helped out a lot because a lot of people say, God, we can't, we are so impressed with how well she took everything in the hospital. But I think that had everything to do with the fact that the doctors could talk in medical terms and Laura knew what they were saying. Yeah. So it made it easier for her to understand. Yeah. Cause a lot of times some of the, some of the translations lost, mm-hmm. you know, there's just not words to describe what we're talking about unless it's in medical terms. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's what makes it nice. I think that's why I, I think that Cops and nurses marry each other all the time. I don't know why. That and school teachers. I don't know what it is. Yep. 
but I, I think it's because they understand the shift work yep. and they understand that you know holidays are just another day of the week. Um, but I kind of have an added in there where I can talk, I can talk doctor terms with Laura and we can have a conversation about something in all medical terms. Because you have the medical. Because I have the medical background. Yeah. So That's cool. that makes things easier as well. It's terrible for her, my wife. Oh, yeah. Because I'm, sure I'm sure you look at her like a, like a yeah. blank wall. You're like, huh? Now, I did feel good the other day, finally. Because she'll ask me and she, she's trying to study with me, like trying yeah. to. She, she's practicing for herself. And I'm like, I don't know. What, whatever that is. And it's just. That's mostly my reaction, but she needed to write a paper. Oof. So I'm a writer. I can write, I can knock out a 20 page paper. Just give me the topic. See, that's where I struggle. Oh man. I can write all day long. So she's like, what do I need? And I did like what I do on the board all the time. I'm like, all right, here's my topic. Here's my, <laughs> my outline. And the facts alone, sir. That's all I want. Yeah. No fluff. <laughs> so I, I tell her, I'm like, here, let me, I'll, I'll help you write an outline. So I give her this outline and then. She comes back. She's like, I'm almost done. And she was, it still made me feel good. Hey, well, it was actually. Put in, give help where you can. Yeah, actually, I have a help. That, that's where I struggle to. I can't, I don't, I'm not good at filling in the fluff. Yeah. Now it's gotten better as, you know, you, you have to write these detailed reports for things that we do, mm-hmm. you know, almost down to describing the barometric pressure on the, you know, yeah. you know, it, it's crazy how detailed you have to get on some of these reports. Um, so I've gotten a lot better at it, mm-hmm. but that's where I really start. They're like, Oh, you need to write a five, even at a five page picture. I'm like oh, five freaking pages. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, one of the things I was going to ask Brandy and I forgot to, but you're tech med as well. And we covered like you guys backup SWAT. And so I, I'm not going to make you retell what tech med does, but what I never got to ask her was, what do you, what have you guys done for the civilian side? Cause I know you don't just help cops. I know you know, we, you know, being a, you want to help everybody, right? Even if it's you know, even if it's something simple, yeah. Even if it's a bad guy, we have a lot of incidences in the city where even our skills that we teach these officers have saved the lives of citizens. I mean, we have countless um, instances where that's happened. Yeah. So it's not just a benefit to Fort Worth police officers; it's actually a benefit to the city, and we can prove that through yeah. um, incidences where we, you know an officer has taken something that we've taught them and applied it. And through that application, the person makes it to the hospital. Cause really that's our, that's our goal. So we, we got to get them to a hospital. We have to mm-hmm. get them to definitive care. Once they make it there, that's on doctors. Cause they have a lot more technology. They have a lot more to work with. They have all the fun toys and gadgets. Yeah. So that's our goal is to get them alive to the hospital. You know, and if they live sweet, you know, that's, that's, that's our, that's what we really want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're not, you don't find too many people that are like, Oh, nope, you're not a police officer. I'm not going to be able to help you today. I mean, I'm not going to put a bandaid yeah. on your little wound here. Yeah. So yes, the, while the, the goal of the unit, the reason it was designed is to save Fort Worth police officers lives the citizens reap that benefit as well because if well we don't have an injured officer then by golly we're going to help yeah. somebody else because yeah. the days of standing around and saying oh you know a med an ambulance is on the way just keep waiting that's long gone right cuz a lot of our job is perception too mm-hmm. and even if we know we can't save them at least we tried right it's better than just standing there and going oh the ambulance is on the yeah. way at least we tried something i tell people Put pressure on it or tourniquet it. Yeah. They 
Can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two. It's not on the neck. Yeah, tourniquet in the neck is always awkward. Yeah, they, they frown upon that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't say the joke. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, that was... I, I, I'm trying to sell tech med in a way because I want people... And that's part of this thing is I want people to know what you do, what that, how that benefits things um, for police. And, and I totally forgot to tell or ask the part about how you guys help citizens. Well, I think anytime you, you, you arm an officer with, with medical knowledge, um, we're always the first ones there anyway. Yeah. What's the first thing MedStar does? They, aim, they stage. Yep. You know, Empire, so, N- oh, NFD. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they, they stage. So yeah. we have to provide the first care there anyway. Yes. So why not arm them with a, some, a little bit of equipment and some knowledge to go in and maybe something they do will prolong them, keep them from bleeding out or, you know, anything. Yeah. To help the survivability of some of these injuries. Yes. So, that, you know, and that's really what our goal is. Yeah. You know, we were, like I said, we're designed for our officers, at, but we spread to the civilians as well. Or at least be able to assess and say, if I try something, I may end up hurting them more. Yeah. You know, if it's like a neck injury or something yeah. like that, like. Just some knowledge, just a little bit of knowledge. Yeah, just, you just sit still. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, and that, that's kind of how that's how we were born. Is we we fill the gray area, the, the yeah. void between is it safe, is it not safe? Yeah. And if it isn't safe, what can we do to help while maybe some of our friends go and you know handle the problem? Yes. You know, because how do you expect someone who has zero training in defense? zero tools to defend themselves. How do you expect them to come into an area where bullets are flying and people, you know, things are going crazy mm-hmm. and perform. I, I don't expect them to. That's, that's kind of my job. I've yeah. got the, I've got the guns, I've got the armor, I've got the helmets, you know, let me go in and take care of business. Yep. Yeah. You guys got some cool gear too, that I've tried to steal when you weren't paying attention, but I always get caught. So <laughs> you guys get all the cool stuff. Like your trucks are the shit. That's, I guess that's a benefit of being, you know, Attached to SWAT. Bastards. Well, that's cool. All right, brother. I don't uh, I don't have anything else other than do you want to say any parting words to the uh, Unicorn Clydesdale? <laughs> no, there, there, there's definitely going to be something come of that. I can promise you that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, I've got Google will be burning up tonight. <laughs> All right. That's well, if my wife doesn't kill me when I get home, you know. Oh, you'll be fine. Well, all right, brother. I'm on a... I'm going to end it on that one. Sounds great. It was fun, bro. Yeah. Glad to have you. Yeah, glad to be here. Fist bump. <laughs>